temperature to close out the week. Part of the great day today includes calm winds once again. For the Channel 8 Storm Alert Team, I'm meteorologist Jessica Blum. Gets hit as he throws down the field. It's going to be intercepted. Miles Farmer at the 15-20 up the sideline. Rocks out of bounds. Flag comes out. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome into the Friday Husker Tailgate, October 28th, 2022, Nebraska, Illinois, a top 25 team comes into Memorial Stadium, having a dream season, and Nebraska has the chance to play both a little bit of a spoiler and to also get themselves back into the discussion. Welcome to the show. I'm Jack Mitchell along with Caleb Henry. Uh, we will have Mike Schaefer joining us here in just a minute. Kenny Larrabee is uh, running our video here. If you want to go watch that at the Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1400KLIN. And... Uh, Interact with us that way, see our beautiful faces and those sorts of things. Uh, got a good show for you, and uh, yeah, we're going to get you ready for Nebraska and Illinois in another another time where we come in and uh, we say, and, and, and maybe it gets, I don't know, maybe it gets tired at some point to sort of set this up for every single game, but it sort of seems warranted here that the two different directions things could go... <laughs> Uh, with a win versus a loss in it's this game. It's the biggest game. game of the year this week. I feel like I've said it with almost every, with a few exceptions, almost every game this year. But I feel like we said it every game last year. Perhaps, but the 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 two paths that lead out of this game with a win versus a loss, and it's it's not it's not the same two paths that we've talked about in the past. No, we are we we are talking about one path where, you know, a loss isn't going to be devastating to the program in a way that maybe some of the other losses that we've talked about in these situation situations would have been. No, I don't think that's the case. Um but it's probably the other side of it on exactly just what a win would do. Uh and and probably that's primarily that's primarily talking about the coaching search because I don't know if you believe if you believe if you are of the ilk that Mickey Joseph has the opportunity to prove himself has has an opportunity to to have a tryout with these final games with this season as a whole this because of the timing of it because of the opponent because of the stakes that are going along with it this is 
um, this is kind of the biggest moment of that. If you believe that is happening. Now, it may not be happening, and we can discuss that. But if, if that is the case, this is the biggest one, meaning a win here probably means a lot in that whole, in that whole decision, that whole discussion as well, and, and perhaps moves things along. Now, there also could be a scenario out there where, frankly, um, there have been conversations by a, by a search firm, agents, those sorts of things, and you already have some kind of a totally different agreement in principle or something close to that, and the outcome of this game is completely irrelevant to that. That exists, too, but in the world where where Mickey's performance these last few games matters, this in that world, this is a huge game and could accelerate everything that goes along with that. Uh, all right, so there you go. My early thoughts on the game. Mike Schaefer joins us right now. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Today? I'm doing well. Are you ready? I, I am doing well. I am uh, looking forward to a Nebraska home game on Saturday. In a while. It does feel like that. It definitely does. What, three... Was it Indiana? Three weeks. Was it Indiana? Indiana was the last home game, first day of the month. Yep. Jeez. All right. All right. First day and almost last day of the month. Yeah. You're going to book in the month of uh, of October. Well, we got spoiled with, with so many in a row at home. Yeah. And then if yeah. you go even two weeks on the road, it was like, man, haven't been home in a while. Yeah, that's what that 2023 schedule looks right. like too. That you start seven, off seven Saturdays in a row where you only leave once. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy, and we'll get into that here a little bit later in the show. And, and I guess another thing about this is, you know, kind of a a, a game where you haven't – it's kind of going to be a unique atmosphere, maybe for the fans, maybe for the stakes of this game, uh, as opposed to what you've had in Memorial Stadium, especially for a conference game over the last few years where you've got – you know, and, and I suppose when Michigan came in last year, that was – uh, obviously, it was a it was a it was a hyped up crowd. It was all all of those sorts of things. Um, it would have been a huge win at the time for for Nebraska. But um, I guess the difference maybe this year is uh, Nebraska still with a real legitimate shot to, to if they can win this game, get themselves back in the conversation for you know a division for all of those things as well. I guess I guess that's it. And you got a nice two thirty start on a fall afternoon. The weather should be nice, so uh, we look forward to that. Um, I, I, I guess, Mike. Let's just let's just start off uh, with with what I said here at the beginning, and and I know it's just it, it it's so hard because we know so very little uh, about what's going on uh, in Trev Alberts behind the do- the doors of Trev Alberts office and and those sorts of things. But I'd assume you 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 agree with me that. It, if Mickey Joseph is is still in the running for this thing, and the and and the season is something of a tryout, that that factor is a tryout, that this is like maybe the key moment of that entire thing, if that if that world really exists. Yeah, I I feel like you know either winning against Purdue on the road or winning against Illinois at home in the month of October would really sort of uh, catapult his candidacy to an even higher plane. So I. I don't feel like with a loss, it would be that detrimental to it either. But a win in either of those games would largely propel a different conversation um, than what we're already having, which is still a really Mickey-centric conversation. I mean, I I think yesterday I was accused of being his campaign manager uh, (laughs) in terms of of him with a job. Because I keep saying I think he's a betting favorite right now. Yeah. 
uh, to, to I end said up that with on a it. podcast earlier this week. I, yeah. I said, I don't know if necessarily today in late October, if it was my decision, I would go with Mickey. Right. But if you handed me cash and said, who would you put yeah. money on today? I put money on Mickey. If you're making odds, the guy already in the chair has the best odds, especially when people like him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I he's not my number one choice, <laughs> uh, but I don't have to go very far down the list before I'm like, yeah, I'm more interested in that than I am this other Several coach. others, yeah. So, yeah, I guess if, if that makes me his campaign manager, then I'll, I'll speak to somebody about where yeah. I... I get my uh, 1099, and we'll go from there. So, uh, where, Where's that campaign manager office on the lane train? <laughs> I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> I have that job. Okay. I'm the, yeah, I have to wear an engineer hat uh, all the time when, when I do it. Did no. you get it from Adam Morfeld? <laughs> I thought of that. I wasn't going to say it. You did. Um, no, it, uh, and by the way, there'll be a lot of people applying for that Mickey Joseph campaign manager job if if they do beat Illinois. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, if, if Nebraska wins that game, it... It will set off another round of sort of conversation, like on two sides of it, where you have the people that are just like all in on Mickey Joseph at that point. And then the other conversation that will exist in a smaller group will basically be like, did Trev back himself in a corner by making this decision to put Mickey in this role, only for him to sort of steal the job out from everybody else who doesn't get to have a real coaching search? Yeah. I don't know if I could phrase it as he backed himself in the corner when he knowingly made this decision. Right. I think that it was always on the table that Mickey could end up with this job. I think people made it seem more difficult than it actually was in September, you know, September 11th, whenever that decision was made. So you just have, you have a lot of those conversations. I, this just dawned on me, and I don't know if either of you have thought of it. Maybe you have, and you've mentioned it, and I'm an idiot, <laughs> which isn't far from the truth. Nebraska, so Illinois is favored by less today as a ranked team than Nebraska has been the last three times they've taken on the Illini, and they have not covered any of those three. Wow. In so 2021, they were a double-digit favorite, yeah. lost in Champaign. There was the in, weird 2020, game in 2020, they were nearly a 17.5-point, like, three-score favorite. Luke lost McCaffrey's at home. starter at quarterback. That was a fumble on the first play, right? Yeah. yeah. Lost at home. In 2019, <laughs> they were a double-digit favorite, needed to rally in Champaign to come back and win 42-38 or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. Number 17, Illinois. I think 17. 17. Yep, 17. 17. They're seven and a half point favorites, which is pretty heavy favorite, but not like in the way that we've seen Nebraska not cover that game three years in a row. So if you're one of these people, and I know they exist, that is absolutely convinced there's no way on this planet that Nebraska could show up on a Saturday at 2.30 and win a football game, you're a moron. <laughs> because Nebraska's proven the reverse three years in a row. They couldn't cover when they're expected to do so by two, three scores. Is Nebraska the exception of the rule, though? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Nebraska is never a data point one should trust. Exactly. In well, anything. It, I mean, and, and, and you, you hear the analysis of this game from, from the media and fans, and it's, it's largely, and we got into this a lot last week, it was largely, well, Nebraska had this sort of 
this kind of this fluky thing that worked out last week with Trey Palmer. <laughs> I know I'm you know strategy. I'm, you know I'm with you, but but I mean I continue to hear this even after yeah. I thought we put it to bed, and and that they they can't run. They're not going to be able to run the ball. The offensive line has issues, and Illinois is going to be the team that figures Trey Palmer out that no one else has been able to. And then on the other side of the ball. Um, that Illinois is going to be able to bludgeon Nebraska with the running game by uh, by giving their running back you know forty three carries essentially and getting five yards per carry and 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 doing that whole thing and and that Nebraska doesn't have, basically Nebraska doesn't have the personnel doesn't have the personnel on either side of the ball to to stop those attacks on on the defensive side of the ball and to 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 deal with a defense that's had statistically better numbers than a lot of them that they faced and it sounds i mean it does sound kind of hopeless when you sure. when you put it that way and you look at those things it, it, but then it, you remember they actually have to play the football game well the interesting thing about the matchup between Nebraska and Illinois is you know we t- we talk so much about even when we're hi- talking about hiring a new coach about you know Nebraska being ready for smash mouth big 10 styles and and those sorts of you know big 10 football run the ball stop the all of that stuff this is kind of the first time that they've had an opponent like that this year. Yeah, they've had a weird <laughs> schedule. Like, this is really the first time. Like, I don't totally know how they match up against Illinois. It might be bad. It might be very bad. But I don't know. I'm trying to think who even the best comparison is. I mean, we've had such a short sample of of uh, of Mickey Joseph era in Nebraska North football. North Dakota is the closest thing they've played. Maybe North year. Dakota, right. And, and Purdue and Indiana are 100% not that whatsoever. Right. So I mean, neither is Rutgers or Northwestern. Yeah, to, to, and those aren't good teams. They just tend to throw more than they probably should, given their personnel. And so I don't like. I just don't know. And I can understand the arguments that Nebraska won't match up real well with this Caleb. But it is kind of a a, a style of first impression for this Nebraska defense, especially. Yeah. I mean, when when you look at how Georgia Southern was able to run, like these passing teams being able to run the ball makes you think when a really run-first right. team that they should... That's exactly the argument. Yes. Like, well, look what Maccabee did for yeah, Purdue, they, they, right? That they should have success. But when I look at that, I see you should be able to not have to worry about the pass as much. Like, like, <laughs> that's another part of it. Yes, that's the part that fails yes. to get... In, uh, no, I, I, right. you, even though you're, you've been moving guys around, there's some injuries, you are missing an inside linebacker for the rest of this season, you do have to have some guys step up. But part of the reason that Nebraska was getting gashed on a lot of those run plays is that they were tr- you were trying to play so much into the passing game that you knew could hurt you that the run game started to beat you up, and then you key on the run game a little bit, and then the pass game beats you up. So Nebraska just kept getting caught in between those games, especially that Georgia Southern game when you go back to it, or Purdue even. But when you look at Nebraska being able to have two weeks of game prep, and yeah, Illinois had two weeks too, but Illinois isn't going to go through and change their offense. You know, Their defense might change a little bit the way that they, they try to defend Trey Palmer, but from their offensive side, they're still going to run a lot of the same stuff. So defensively for Bill Bush, do you load the box a little bit more, leave some guys out there on islands, and give up the possibility that someone gets beat on a jump ball or something? That's not what Illinois wants to do. Like, like they're not going to go out and – they're not going to be bomb the ball guy if they get yeah. a matchup on the outside. They're going to want to run the ball. So I think you see a lot more of loading up the box, take away what you can, and then you, you see if it's working or not. Because 
Nebraska hasn't had to play that way so far this year. Right. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Uh, the 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 threat that was there of of O'Connell, um, particularly, and to some degree, you know, Indiana's passing game can mm-hmm. change. And and you know, Tommy DeVito, Danny's son, has has been has. But now it's all the only thing I think of every I, time. I've said it so many I times. You and now I've like told myself to stop. And saying this is it. fantastic uh, now that you're watching Always Sunny. Yeah, and I started watching Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, but he's made his bones this year on just being like efficient and not and I hate to say something like game manager because he's got he's got seventy percent completion he's got ten touchdowns but it's ten touchdowns to two interceptions he's got yep. okay how many times you look at a big west quarterback and you can pick your favorite middling big ten quarterback that you want it's uh, there's plenty of them to be had okay pick your your tanner morgan or your your graham mertz or that guy that Heisman candidate from iowa um you, you pick pick any of them and what's the thing that you always see from them it's like uh, after the season's over it's like nine interceptions nine touchdowns uh, 11 he averaged, interceptions. He averaged 14 passes a game. It's, it's what are, like, it's, like those are the stats you see. They yeah. do a nice job in the red zone of utilizing play action, and that's where that, the bulk yeah. of those touchdowns. So Devito has gotten yeah, he's gotten 10 touchdowns, but only two picks. That's the difference. Yeah, that I mean, that's the difference between Illinois and these other Big Ten West teams right now. They well, Big Ten West looks like for high school football. It's Scott's bluff. Like. <laughs> They're, they're, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to be able to just control clock. Right. But when you think, obviously, here being in Lincoln, a lot of people go, oh, Scott's Bluff, way out there. That, that's <laughs> what it is. That's what the Big Ten West is to the rest of the conference. Right. They're just There's someone way out there, and yeah, it's half the league, but they're just going to run the ball, and that's what Illinois is doing. That's what Brett Bielema has learned across his stops. How do I adjust my game plan to the personnel? And he's done that really well with this group. I think the the most frustrating thing for Nebraska, and it was last year when they when they take on Illinois, it's similar to Iowa in the sense that they have a couple pet plays that they will just run, and if it gets stuffed, fine, they'll run it again. If it gets stuffed, fine, they'll run it again. And one of those times, there's going to be that gap. There's going to be that opening. And instead of two yards, three yards, four yards, two yards, 42 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what Chase Brown did to Nebraska last year. If you go look, it wasn't the most um, efficient running style of all time, but he still ended up with a bunch of yards because he hit two really big runs on the same damn stretch play that I think they called 20 times in that game. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're Nebraska's defense and you know what they're going to run and you know where that everyone is going to be. And yet, if you try to overplay it, he can cut back on the inside. If you are slow to where the spot needs to be, chances are it gets sealed, and he's going to get a, like so. It's it, the the level of discipline required to play these kinds of teams is why Nebraska has largely struggled with these kinds of teams. They're just fundamentally they've never been a particularly disciplined bunch, right? And even in their best games against these teams, they always seem to allow those one or two runs that can flip a field. Go for a touchdown, you know, result in it should have been third and six, and they ran the damn stretch play, and you weren't there at that time, and there's 40 yards on the field yeah. that you lose. So You just described the way I call plays on Madden in career mode. <laughs> if I'm the running back, we're going to run this same play over yeah. and over and over and over. Well, <laughs> just in the headset, it's just, again. <laughs> well, again. And, and then Another the, one. The other thing is it felt like you saw a lot of the tackling issues crop back up that Nebraska had had <laughs> against Purdue. And 
you a lot of arm tackles, a lot, lot of yeah. lazy, just kind um, of overrun, yeah. run in position type situations. And they, they've done that in the first half of both Rutgers and Purdue, and I don't know. I mean, they didn't do it at all against Indiana. Yeah. So if you get Indiana's tackling in this game against Illinois, that gives you a better chance. Yeah. But if they come out and they try to tackle like they did Devin Mockaby, oh my gosh, that's not going to yeah. go so well. Yeah, that, now Mockaby and Brown are entirely different. Um. You know, Maccabee's a little bit more upright and a little like he's got a know. weird body for a running right. Back. <laughs> he's he's just different. Brown is like a bowling ball; like yeah. he's just gonna roll right through you. So, so, and you did see late in that last game for Nebraska as you're trying to get backups into the inside linebacker spots. You saw, um, you saw Mock Clements get like he he got to the hole, especially on one touchdown in particular mm-hmm. that I'm thinking of. He got to his assignment correctly. He was just late. Yeah. So I'm hoping that over that by over the two weeks of prep, these guys have gotten this extra rep, these extra reps that they can see it. They can they can go through and as they're game planning for Illinois, see that in their head so they can react quicker. And that's what you hear every defensive coordinator ever talk about right. is how you want guys to play fast and not have to be thinking about it because if you're thinking about it, you're going to play slow. So I hope the guys that are going in there and getting these reps, the guys that have been backups and now they're getting reps with the ones, they can play a little bit faster because they have the ability to play at this level, but they have to be on time. And that's the thing that you were talking about with Illinois. If they're going to run it over and over this same thing, you have to be on time every time. You have to break down correctly. And yeah. if, if you're not going to make the tackle yourself, you at least have to slow them up enough for the mm-hmm. people to rally. Turn them inside toward yep. the other players. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a tough, tough game to not have Nick Henrich for. I know he hasn't had a great season, but he's probably your best true north-south linebacker, and this is a... Very much a north-south team, even though they're going to run that stretch play yeah. forever. We're finally but. to the part of the season that was going to play to his strengths. Yeah. The just a, it's a really unfortunate because I, I feel like he's had a rough year, and I mean he was banged up for mm-hmm. most of it, and then now he's out for the rest of it. But you're right. I mean, these were the games where you really wanted Dick Henrich. They don't really have another guy who fits that body type uh, in that linebacker room, or at least is capable of of going in and giving you. 50 60 snaps. Yeah. And and that's as as somebody who who thought, you know I thought I thought maybe this defense could have a pretty good year and and I've been proven wrong in a lot of cases. Oh, you year. did. I drafted a bunch of defensive players yeah, in the well, helmet sticker draft. Let's check the results. And every team deals with injuries, but it is it is interesting because I rode that thought on on confidence in in the experience uh, and consistently playing above what I thought they were going to do of Henrich, of Reimer, and Garrett Nelson. Yeah. And I don't know how many plays we've even seen all three of those guys healthy on the field together for, or how many quarters of football. Basically, their big moment was the Indiana game. Yeah, that was that, that was, was really that it. That was a big moment. That was the time they yep. played, because beginning of the year you had injuries, now you've got other injuries, and that's... I think those three guys were so key to my perception of this defense and yep. never having them healthy together. Um, you know, it's not an excuse, but it, it has been something you just didn't get to see. Real quick on Chase Brown before we take a break. Uh, by the way, do you know he's from Canada? You know, London, Ontario. Mm. Birthplace is London, Ontario. Okay. So he's Canadian. Keep that in mind as you, uh, well, I don't know what that means exactly, but, uh, 511, 205. So like, he's like the size of, of Grant, of, of yeah. Anthony Grant. He's very similar, yep. just in, in proportion, in, in height and weight to Anthony Grant. Here's the crazy thing, though. We think Anthony Grant 
has kind of been a bell cow for Nebraska, and he has been more so than than they've had at running back for quite a while. Anthony Grant's got 144 carries this year. Okay, do you know how many Chase Brown has this year? How many games? Um, let's see. Do they have? They have more one. games. That's a good they question. Played seven games. Have they played yeah. an extra game? Nope. They, same, they've each same, played seven. Same amount of games. So Grant had a hundred and what? Hundred forty-four carries this year. I'm gonna guess Brown is over two hundred already. One ninety-two. Yeah. He has got fifty more carries. We think Grant's getting the ball a lot. Yeah. Fifty more carries. He's their offense. At five point five yards per carry, by the way. Which well, is pretty good for that. You look at their schedule and some of their wins, I mean it it's been kind of close and ugly and they need him to salt away games and they need him to you know provide production because they're not going to turn it over to to Tommy DeVito to make big throws late yeah it's I mean it's him it's, it's gonna be a steady diet of of Brown and if you don't tackle him well it could look like Roy it's Hulu him and getting the ball Missouri. in Isaiah Williams hands in different ways yep. beyond that I mean that's there is, there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of question what they're going to nope. do here uh, when it comes to this offense, and then, and then if Devito can can continue to to avoid turning it over and hit those hit the, some of those red zone passes that he's been making. Funny thing is, Brown only has four touchdowns this year yep. for all those carries. No, he does a lot of the work between the twenties, <laughs> and then Devito finishes it off with I a mean, throw to high. You got they they have like four. They don't wide, score that many points. They have four wide receivers with like two touchdowns receiving. Yep. So uh, or or uh, wide receivers and tight ends. Yep. That have that as well. So yeah, that's that that that'll be fascinating as well. Again, obvious risk of stating the obvious here, but one of those games is one of those games where if you somehow get in front of the beginning, right? Illinois is a a, a much better team playing from ahead than behind. Oh yeah, they want to they want to be up by ten and just keep you off the field. Yep. Yep, absolutely. All right, we'll uh, take a break. A lot of interesting stuff this week from Mickey and the other coaches, so we'll take a listen to that. Coming up next in your sound off, you're listening to the Friday Husker Tailgate on 1499.3 KLIN. When you're thinking Husker. We'll warm up into lower 60s for the last Friday of October. For the Channel 8 Storm Alert Team, I'm meteorologist Jessica Blum. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. All right, 630. Your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. Now, if you didn't listen to the very end of the show yesterday, you missed one of the funnier moments in fantasy Huskers history when Caleb read to me uh, the picks that happened. Uh, first, I, I know I got people waiting for the keyword, so I'll do that first. Uh, the keyword is... Blitnikoff. Oh, brother. I don't even know if I want to try that one, because I'm going to screw <laughs> everyone up. Why don't you just... Uh, B-E-L... Nope. nope. All right. Go ahead. B-I-L-E-T-N-N-I-K-O-F-F. Bolitnikov. He's a jerk, ladies and gentlemen. He's a <laughs> real jerk. I mean, you can Google it and copy and paste. Wait, we finally got to a word that you weren't even going to attempt. I don't think proper names should be eligible for this. That's no, it's an award. That's fair. Yeah, it's named after someone's name. It's anyway, uh, anyway, it's a major award. Well, well, let's let's let Mike make his pick for uh, his Ooh. ceremonial pick for this week. The question is, how many rushing yards does Illinois? Uh, get net rushing against Nebraska. They're averaging about what they we are say one ninety five, one ninety eight point nine, and Nebraska's giving up one ninety point four. I was going to say Nebraska's too close to that two hundred number. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
the first number that came to mind was like 232. So, Ooh, all right. 232. That was, you would think that would be one of the higher picks, but listen to the picks uh, that have been made so far, including yesterday, which is one of my all-time favorite picks in fantasy. So here aspects. are the picks from smallest to largest. Mexi Fry says 98 yards. <laughs> We're partying. That's into, a win. If they hold him to 98, we are partying all Giant night long. victory. Richard says 169. Nice. Wade, 195. Ruth, 211. Catherine, 225. Uh-oh. There's still three picks to go. Okay. Shane, 275. Oh, which we thought, that kind of puts a cap on the high sure. end. Right? Allen, 345. Oh, okay. We're going for it. Brett, 555 yards. Wow. <laughs> Nebraska gave up 555 rushing yards in a game. Uh, hold on. NCAA. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I got to see if that's uh, if that would be how far that is. Well, Samaja period has the single the single game. Right. He had it four twenty seven, which was which was cool because it broke the, the Wisconsin like a week record. After the... It was a week after Nebraska had it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> my goodness, five fifty five. What is what's going that on? That makes me right? think of one of those games Nebraska had against Baylor, where like four different running backs had over a hundred yards. Yes, Judd Davies did it oh, on yes. four carries. I don't know. Maybe if... like yes. I ha- Obviously, we probably would have heard it over the last couple of years if anyone had broken it. But the record for most rushing yards by an FCS or FBS team in a game, that team lost. Really? It was Davidson, broke the record, but lost to San Diego. They rushed for 789 yards. Jeez. <laughs> in 2018. Uh, all right, well... <laughs> I can't find the record that I'm, I'm looking. All everything's all I keep finding is individual, <laughs> individual yards. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll find it. But good, good luck, Brett. Bolitnikov. Bolitnikov is the word. Uh, all right, what do we got for sound off today? Uh, let's go ahead and just start off with Mickey's opening statement from Tuesday. We use this bag week to get um, a little healthier. You know, clean things up in all areas. You know, it's, it's a beneficial to have this week, just because that. I hope it helps us down the stretch because we do. We got five games back to back in a tough physical Big Ten conference. So my thing is talking to the team that we gotta we gotta match match our opponent physicality. And starting this week with Illinois, Illinois 17 ranked team is a well deserved ranking. They have a really physical rushing game. With uh, Chase Kitty's really uh, Chase Brown Kitty's a really good um really good runner, but they're really really good on defense. You know they they top in the country in, in every category. They have a really good scheme. They well coach and they stick to their guns. So this week, you know we we're gonna need our fans on this one. We're gonna need our fans to be loud and help us out a little bit. Are they really top in the country in every defensive category? They're near the top. Okay. They also have not played an offense that's better than like 89th in the country. Oh boy! All season oh boy! Long. So, oh boy! That's part of where some of the statistics come in. But you could also argue that every offense looks worse when you face one really good defense. Second, that's true. Who is it's a chicken or the egg yep. question? I mean, literally everyone who's played Iowa has had their defensive numbers improve. All right. Well, let, let's go through it real quick. They played Wyoming in their first game, one thirty-eight to six. Then. 
still shocking to everyone. They lost to Indiana. <laughs> One of my picks two. losses this year. One of my picks losses this year. Uh, then they beat uh, Virginia 24-3 to uh, at home. Beat Chattanooga, Chattanooga 31-0. to uh, then beat Wisconsin 34 to 10. That was eventually the game that Paul Christ was fired yep. after. Uh, that Illinois game, or that Iowa game, I should say, that was 9 to 6. Uh, Minnesota game where they played uh, last quarter of the game without Tanner Morgan. Uh, that was 26 to 14. They haven't played since then. So yeah. that, that tells you who they've played mm-hmm. so far. Um, all right. What else do we have this week? Well, because they were on a bye week, they were out there recruiting. So. Mickey talks recruiting. Like I said before, you know, when when I first took this thing over, is that we're going to do things the right way. We're not we're not going to sabotage the program. We're going to go out and work like we're going to be here. So we we sent our coaches out and things in California, in Massachusetts. You know, they I was in Atlanta, I was in Arizona, um, Fishers in Florida, Dallas. So we went out, we went out, we went out as a staff. We kept the coordinators in, you know, the offensive defense coordinators in. But we're going to recruit and you know find find um, the pieces that we need. You know, and so we we're gonna go heavy JUCO when it comes to the offensive line. You know, how, how big can the JUCO angle be? You know, with the portal era, sometimes if people didn't know exactly what was gonna happen with junior college recruiting, but what, how useful is that still and important that part? I think the JUCO part is is really important because you're getting the kid coming out of system. You get a kid coming out of portal. He's transferring for a reason. JUCO kid, you, you're recruiting just like a high school kid. But a portal kid, he tra- he's transferring. He's a reason he's transferring. So you got to do more homework on a portal kid than you have to do a JUCO kid. JUCO kid, you can go to the coach and say, hey, you've been having it for two years. Tell me about it. But when a portal kid, now we got to go all the way back to high school to see what's the problem with this kid. Why is he transferring? So let let's start, Mike, uh, with your recruiting expertise. Just on on kind of the overall the the, the large scale strategy. Obviously, you know we, we expected them to continue recruiting. But is there anything about you know what they've done, where they've been, how they've attacked it that that gives you any 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 feeling about what the future is, or or is it just kind of what 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 you would expect a coaching staff to be doing that was put in this situation as an interim coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, I I they definitely have um they've definitely gone hard with it. It's hard to say because this is the first time I've covered a coaching search where the coach is gone in September, and now you've had two bye weeks, and that in itself is weird. Normally, you only have one. Um, so I, I think some of it because of Mickey's personality and the way that he approached things at LSU, where he was doing in-home visits the day before he was announced as Nebraska's wide receivers coach, it just kind of tells you like he very much believes that you, you utilize that time and you do the best you can to leave the place you know better than as you found it, and they have a number of 2024s, 2025s that they wanted to get out and offer, get out and. And uh, get eyes on, um, watch it, practice, evaluate that kind of thing. So, I I think that they had a, a list that they wanted to get to. There's there's a handful of guys that they think they can still pull in this 2023 class um, that would represent you know pretty seismic recruiting wins. Hmm. Um, that probably only happen if Mickey's a head coach because it's going to go into December and he's kind of the point person on some of those relationships or, you know, heavily involved in that. But it, it was good to see them get out. His, his commentary on the junior college thing is kind of fascinating in a way because Nebraska made a bunch of junior college offers here recently. And I, I don't know what to do with Nebraska's recent JUCO recruiting. I mean, because sometimes you've ended up with guys that have been 
relatively helpful. A lot of times you sort of have guys that you think are going to be able to play for you, but don't actually get on the field mm. and do a lot. Um, you know, Jordan Riley comes to mind, Feldarius yeah. Payne, Etavamalga yeah. Clements, uh, you know, so Javier Morton, like they brought him in in January. Malcolm Hart, like how many defensive backs have played over Javier right. Morton at this point? So, uh, but then on the flip side of it, Anthony Grant. So, yeah. you know, it's like you can, it, it's no different than any other style of recruiting. You have all of the examples of, well, I don't know if this works. And then you have the one lightning rod example where, of course, this works. Because you can <laughs> yeah. do the same thing for the transfer portal. Right. It's like, well, this didn't go well for them. They're not getting anything out of Kane Williams. They're not getting anything out of Omar Brown. But Trey Palmer's been okay. That one we like. More mm-hmm. Trey Palmer. Well, and he so, specifically said they're going to go Juco heavy on offensive line. Yeah, which is fascinating because other than Yoshi Hardrick, I can't really think of an offensive lineman uh, junior college-wise that was an out-and-out stud uh, for Nebraska. Now, Chongo Condolo, Matt Finnan, uh, those guys those guys were, were helpful. They provide depth, but Nebraska's got depth on the offensive line. The problem is they don't have difference makers. They don't have guys that are better than the person that's two spots behind them. Um, they don't have guys that can go out there and, and do their job, and five of those guys together give you the opportunity to have at least an average offensive line. Now, when the barometer is so low uh, and you, you need to go get someone that's more physically capable of doing it than an 18-year-old freshman, um, that's where I, I could see where the, the junior college offensive line thing comes into it. But I I caution it in the sense that I just people want quick fixes and it just doesn't work as you think that it will. I mean, I, an offensive lineman in the transfer portal are basically gold. Everybody wants them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where they come from. If they're considered good enough to play, they're going to have 40 offers <laughs> by the time they make it a decision. Hmm. It's like the starting pitcher, uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah, the, it, the scarcity yeah. The scarcity of line play in college athletics That's interesting. is, and it's it's, you know, Shouldn't be a big surprise. Nebraska said as many issues as they have because both sides of the ball and the trenches haven't been great. And the things that everybody wants, right? Defensive lineman, offensive lineman. One more question for you on that, and I know we have some other clips too. But just you, you, you're getting just you know we knew we had heard you obviously knew that Mickey Joseph had had success recruiting at at LSU and at other stops, and that's been one of the strengths. Is has it been instructive, interesting at all? Even just beyond the the conversation that we've had about JUCOs here and those sorts of things in philosophy, interesting at all? Just about sort of. What his style has been with this, where he's gone, what the strategy has been he's, so far. He's by far the most comfortable of any, I guess, head coach, because he, he's head coach, uh, getting up there and talking about what he wants and, and how they're going to go out and do it. Like you can, and I don't say this to be offensive to Polini, Frost, Riley, but you can hear in how he talks the importance of recruiting like it's not lip service it's not well we got to go get some good players he's thinking about no, he it actually lot. cares and he strategizes it and i'm sure he's more involved in the recruiting meetings than bo Pelini and scott frost and mike riley ever were i think a big and part that of is that a, is that it was it's been his specialty yeah, like that's well, been a thing where you you think of him and you go wide receivers and recruiting yeah and and one of the things of some of the coaches that have come here from other Power Five programs is they're somewhat surprised at the quality 
of player and the drop off when it hits where it hits on the roster. And so if you're the type of person that you built your name off of going out and getting quality players, you end up in a place where you feel like there's an absence of quality players. It becomes paramount to you to go get more, you know, so it's, it's reflective in the, in that idea. I, I think, you know, when I put on my campaign manager hat for the Mickey Joseph team, <laughs> the thing I absolutely like, there's two things I don't have a lot of concern about. But one of them, for sure, I think Nebraska would recruit at a really high level if he's your head coach. Uh, just talking from people in, in my industry, in the recruiting industry, as we've seen a shift with different hires, you see the coaches that really, the head coaches that, that do more than just provide lip service for recruiting, those teams are lighting up the board because players sense that. They like that. They want to be involved in that. And these, these teams are more aggressive. Uh, and I think Nebraska would be that under Mickey. It, it's fascinating to wonder how that plays into Trev's decision. Yeah. And, and Trev's, he's seeing Trev's view day. of the future of mm-hmm. this program. You know, again, wearing the campaign manager hat, but like Mickey is in such a good spot to show like this is, this isn't what it's going to look like if I'm the head coach because some of these people won't be here and the roster is going to look a little different. But here's how aggressive I want to be with recruiting. Here's what I want to like. He's just able to lay it right out for Trev Alberts. Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And right now I'm doing it because I am the head coach. Yeah, almost- one of the things Trev said on uh, Sports Nightly, not this last time, but I believe the time before, was that he wants Nebraska to get back to being an elite development program. And if you can already start out with your recruiting being cranked up, you take the development yeah. from there and the, the results should show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about like matching those aspirational goals that Trev has when he's writing down on a whiteboard. Here's the thing I want with a coach and seeing do these, you know, do these things that make you showing fitting in outside of his record in, you know, five games mm-hmm. to end the season. All right. You have one more for us? Uh, yeah. So one of the things we've talked about is the fact that Illinois is more likely to key in on Trey Palmer. So Mickey talked about what are those other options when that type of thing happens in this game? It's probably a situation where I went through at LSU. You know, you know, about the fourth game in the season, they started doubling Jefferson. And then Chase went off. Then Terrence Marshall went off. Then Clyde Allaire went off. So we're going to have options if they take Trey away. If they try to take Trey away, it's nothing we can do about it. But the other guys know they got to play football if that happens. But number one, nothing like uh, mentioning uh, guys you coach on one team and putting together like a great fantasy football lineup. Yeah, there's three first round picks and a second round pick <laughs> yeah. in there. <laughs> I mean, just poor Terrence just Marshall. Name drop. Yeah, Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall is, is cool. a five star recruit who is regarded as maybe the best of those. Uh, Who's the fourth Chase, option? Chase was always regarded as the best, but you know, Terrence Marshall just kind of thrown in there before Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I, and here's the the other thing I'll say. If they say. took away one, we just put out another all pro. Right, exactly. By the way, I don't know um, that Nebraska has quite that uh, ability. But. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's probably fair. Uh, but I, I mean, I do in all seriousness answer. I could see it as 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 far back as is the Indiana game where, um, it, and and this is what got Casey Thompson in a little trouble that game is he he had Trey wide open a few times when Indiana didn't put a safety, didn't do something to bracket Trey Palmer. They were getting killed, and you could you see know how it in, Illinois plays. What's that? Man to man, one high safety. Mm-hmm. If they play that way, Nebraska's going to get an opportunity, and if Casey and Trey can hit those, it's going to keep them in this game. Well, uh, well, it's not even that, but like Oliver Martin's been wide open a number of times yeah. too. 
So, like, there have been other guys that have been open. Yeah, Tommy Casey Hill to opened a few gate times well, against Purdue. If they start committing resources to that, you know who becomes really important? Travis Vocal. Yes. yes they've got to get back then to you him. get the Northwestern thing where, okay, you're going to try to go down the sidelines on us. We're going to get our safeties out to that way. Yeah. All of a sudden, right in the middle of the field, you get one-on-one with linebackers. That's where Travis They Vocal still is. haven't duplicated that significantly with Vocal yeah. Act. What well, they, they had with him in that half of Northwestern. They haven't had him healthy, and then the teams that they've played have largely just thrown zone after zone after but zone. I and do. he's also been necessary to block a lot. <laughs> That's, yes, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> because you need five of him, I do plus love, one that though, can run around. I do love how there's this sense among Nebraska fans who are cynics about how things are going, where like, well, these guys are going to take away Trey Palmer. Like, do you not think, was there, any, first of all, if all those defensive coordinators hadn't thought about that, Rutgers, Purdue, all of those, they should be fired immediately. Because I, that's the one thing, like, did Purdue just not think of doing that? Or, I mean... One of my favorite responses with those people is like, yeah, in the NFL, they definitely take away Derrick Henry. And then you just kind of walk away. I just, it's such a, it's a weird concept. It's, people uh, act like the defensive coordinators who just forgot about it. I, I think part of it is that, one, with Nebraska's wide receivers, you haven't really had like a lot of these guys. Two, people view running the football as a system of continued success. People around here view Nebraska's passing offense as, well, they got real lucky there. Yeah, exactly. And so when you consider it, one of it as lucky and you're not setting it up and you're not also having three other options on a play that could be viable, you tend to, to take the view that you can take luck out of it, whereas the systematic grinding out of runs, which is really not that different. When I talked about that stretch play, the stretch play and bombing the ball are the same thing. <laughs> It's picking the spot in which there's your 42-yard run, there's your 42-yard go-route. It'd be interesting if Nebraska chooses to take that away from them. <laughs> you know, right? I, Nobody says it that way. I think they should way. choose to. No, nobody says it that way. You know what I mean? It's, well, there's also the idea that Nebraska can't make the choice in that situation. Uh, by the way, Trey Palmer, 47 receptions, 781 yards. And he has five so games left. Listen. I, I have never been more wrong about a player in the offseason than I was Trey Palmer. And I didn't even think he would be bad. I was just dubious that he had the ability to be a number one wide receiver for Nebraska, let alone potentially in the country. All summer I said... My temperature to close out the week. Part of the great day today includes calm winds once again. For the Channel 8 Storm Alert team, I'm meteorologist Jessica Blum. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburg KLIF. By the way, I just figured it out. If Trey Palmer gets a total of uh, seven yards receiving, he gets on the top ten all-time best receiving seasons in Nebraska history with almost five games. Is that good? Probably one catch. That's probably Probably one catch puts him in the top ten. Knocks Kenny Bell off the list. Oh, well, one of Kenny Bell's seasons. Okay, what is, uh, if you add... 45 yards to where he's at right now. Where does he go? Uh, that'll get him to number, let's see, he is at 781 now, so that would put him at seven or 821. That would put him at 8th overall. That would knock three people off the list. Then knock Bell. Not, oh, he'd get ahead of Bell 2014, play. Niles Paul, and Maurice Purify. That's one play. One he play, three, in, three spots. He could do it in one play. Overall record, if you're wondering, by the way, 986 from Stanley Morgan Jr. in 2017. Uh, so that's uh, Mike Riley's final year. So there's never been a thousand yard 
No, Shaver? there's never been. I thought Stanley went over a thousand nine nine hundred eighty six top ten. Wow, seasons he had. Uh, he had. Why did I it, think that? He had sixty one. He have like a thousand four yards. I don't know why. Does uh, this not include bowl games? Well, he wouldn't have gone to a bowl game in 2017. Uh, right, you might right. recall that year did not end with a bowl game. Right. Uh, but 781 yards. So he needs 200. So he all he needs is 205, uh, 205 yards to tie. That's one game. Possibly this game. <laughs> if you get 205 yards, <laughs> Illinois does. No, he's not going to get for, this game. For, for, for everything about Illinois and what they do schematically, they do have some really good corners. If you got 200 yards receiving on those corners in that scheme in Brett Bielema, also, there might be even more NFL scouts at his next game. If he got five receptions, he would get into the uh, top ten list for C- uh, receptions in a season, too. He would also knock Kenny Bell off another list. In that yeah, too. so your your thing is old. So 2017, obviously, he had 986 yards. Yeah, that's what In says. 2018... He had 1,004 yards. What does what the Huskers link have an old link on it? I'm on the yeah, actual bus. Huskers website. I knew that was wrong because I, I I know they have exactly one receiver that has done it, and it's Stanley Morgan. Can we update our links there? <laughs> Here. If you come across anything that gets in your way, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. That's a quick check of your time saver traffic. Being rushed, gets hit as he throws down the field. It's going to be intercepted. Miles Farmer at the 15-20 up the sideline. Rock out of bounds. Flag comes out. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. Friday Husker Tailgate. Hour two rolls on. 44 degrees in the capital city as we get ready for the Huskers and the top 20 fighting Illini of Illinois. Number 17 to be specific. 2.30 kickoff, 10.30 pregame right here on KLA. And by the way, guys, not to spoil when Rusty comes in here, but the weather looks pretty much great again. Once again, we should not. Honestly, we should not have hired a meteorologist this year. Has, yeah. has Rusty done anything since we've brought him in? <laughs> Not just this season. It's there is. I mean, at some, it is looking absolutely beautiful. It'll be chilly at the end, but my goodness, it's an October football game. I mean, it I, helps when he doesn't have to work bowl season. So, like the the look ahead for the next week just looks incredible. Yeah, we're gonna get back into eighty <laughs> somehow. We, we are never gonna be done with the eighties no. this year uh, because uh, Tuesday, November first. We're looking at 80 degrees. But by the way, yeah, tomorrow uh, looking like a high of 72, sunny skies, uh, doesn't look like any precipitation, um, not too windy. Just, but then again, Rusty will tell us here in a second, but he was just unnecessary this year, 100% completely. Um, all right. So we've been doing this thing throughout the course of the year where I have been ranking uh, mainly with objective numbers rather than subjective opinions, uh, coaches. 
Okay, and and we we've we've narrowed down the I don't know if narrowed down is the word, but we've we've evaluated twenty three different coaches on a, on a whole number of metrics from their their resume, where they've been, where they've won, where they've lost, right? Their ability to rescue a program that was floundering, their experience in the Big Ten. We've done that. Um, we've done. Boy, if we, I'm forgetting one thing that we've. Oh yeah. Uh, also, and then last week we looked at. Uh, offense versus defense uh, style, Numbers all usage. of those things. Like we have done it every single angle. But the one thing you know, guys, that we haven't done that I said we wanted to do, and Mike, Mike's kind of uh, raised some red flags when I said I wanted to do it, was the likability factor. Okay, that's the one thing that we haven't done yet here when it comes to this. And excited to see subjective. how you make this objective. Highly, uh, no, there's no way you can do it objective. Uh, the only <laughs> way I can do it. The only way I can do is like read it's it's hard to read the Nebraska fan base though in terms of what they find likable and not likable. And, and they and, like to win, they don't like to lose. Cuz like I still find and and, and and maybe it doesn't matter at all. And and winning obviously is more important, but listen, we've been through every possible metric it feels like. Like I found Mike Riley unbelievably likable. Like unbelievably likable. Like the way he talked about the mm-hmm. way he talked about things, the sort of perspective he had on the season, all of those things, a little sense of humor. Uh, you know, he he was frankly he was nice to me. He was easy for me to get an interview with. <laughs> I got I got lots of interviews with him, so it's hard to know um, who 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 people will think and uh, fits that bill and how much it even matters. Now the place to start with this thing, though, I still think which is fascinating, is Mickey Joseph. And the way that he's captured not only so many so many Husker fans, but like the wide variety of Husker fans that he's captured that are a fan of him. And, 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 and Mike, maybe you can speak to this too in terms of those who have supported him and who are really behind him at this point. It seems to not be... Sometimes you have a coach that all the... All the young people like, right? Sometimes you'll <laughs> all right? the young. Sometimes you'll have a coach that all the who's the Generation Z coach, right? Or, or sometimes you'll have the a clear. I mean, I mean, I don't have to be too. Bopolini's a great example. Like the 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 sort of the demo that liked him and the demo that didn't like him, right? Um, you know, pick pick some. You could pick several coaches, I think, and and have something like that, like. I don't feel that with Mickey Joseph at this point yet. And maybe down the road it does become that. But he's got he's got a level of support that it's sort of hard to identify who it is, who he appeals to because he has kind of a a wide appeal. Yeah. And I'm still just trying to I th- this sounds like I'm doubting it, which I'm not because I feel it myself. But I'm trying to identify what it is exactly still. Yeah, I've explained it as as this. I think one, he he comes in relatively fresh, so because he hasn't been around the program for the last three years, I don't know how else to phrase it. Yeah, um, ninety-one. Yeah. He's fresh, and there's a perspective to it that's a little bit different. With also having the callback to knowing what it was like when things were good here, so people like that. So that's one. Two. He works in a lot of ways, and I think Caleb can speak to this, so I will definitely let him do so after I say it. 
he works in a lot of ways as the opposite of how Scott Frost sounded at most press conferences. And people like that, because as often happens when you have a coaching change, people want the opposite of what just occurred. If you had a really sort of quiet tactician as a coach and that didn't work out, now you want the bombast, motivational speaking individual because you seek that out because that's what you didn't have. So then you can maybe overdo it. In this case, I think when I hear Mickey Joseph talk, people hear more accountability than what they heard from Scott Frost over five years. And in a lot of cases, less just sort of direct blame on the players. Mm. Um, I just go back to that first press conference he had after the Oklahoma game where <laughs> no one put anything on him. Everyone acknowledged it was an unwinnable situation, and all he could say was, it's on me. Mm-hmm. Like, right down to the fact that I was unhappy with my food in the press box, he took that <laughs> on, on upon me. himself. That's on me. we got to do better. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think... organization. <laughs> I think people like that. And then the third thing, and then I'll, I'll get out of the way... He is a very effective communicator. Mm. Individually, I've had fantastic conversations with him that I really enjoy. And, um, you know, you walk away from it where it feels like that guy knows your name. He knows a little about you. He was engaged when you were talking. You're engaged when he's talking. But you know when you have good conversations. That's on the individual scale. I think he's really effective conversing with the media and handling all of that. I I know he's effective or regarded as effective by the players of getting a point across that, that he needs to make in whatever the situation is. It sounds like he's an effective communicator with the coaches and that there's really no uh, there's no gray area. You know, it, he's blunt, but he's also like keeps it a top down leadership style of I'm the coach. This is what I want. This is what we're going to do. People, you know, People like that. They don't, in organizations, it's not always good when there's a lot of gray and questions of, well, is this my job? Is that his job? Is that your job? Who's doing this? You know, it's very effective leadership to basically be like, this is what we're going to do. Roll it all out. He's organized. I mean, all of those things combined with the, the communication skills just allow people to work with him, talk highly of him, and be affected by him. And that's what we've seen, I think. Caleb? We've made fun of it before, or at least you have a number of times when we hear politicians say, this is what Nebraskans like. This is what Nebraskans believe. Well, what Nebraskans, and you can get this outside of Nebraska as well, but as a whole, as people, we like authenticity. And I think you get that every time we see Mickey Joseph in a coaching role, whether it's on the sideline or speaking with media, he's genuinely authentic. He'll give us coach speak. But it's authentic in that I go, I truly believe when he says, doesn't matter what happened last week, we got to go 1-0 and this week. I'm like, I think he is. he's like living that, and he's preaching that to the players, and that's not just coming out to the Genuine. Yeah, it's not just coming out to the players and saying, or coming out to the media and going, well, things haven't gone well, but we got to go 1-0 and this week, boys. Like it, it's When he comes out, I truly believe that he believes that. When he talks to the media, he'll go through and he'll break things down, but he's not going to hold something back. You'll see him joke around, and it doesn't feel like he's forcing it, trying to be like, look, I had a moment. You hear from the players. We heard from Greg Sharp earlier this week how yeah. he'll he'll go and he'll talk with the players. He'll find them at training tables. He'll ask Which them. is a direct difference. Oh, and I don't want to pile on to this, but there's a belief that Scott Frost was a player's coach, and that is not true. 
I wish he we had was that clip not from very involved with a lot of people's lives over there beyond the football practice stuff. Uh, I, I, I wish I, I had queued it up. Maybe we can find it for later. But Greg, Greg Sharp on our show yesterday, yeah. he said he, he he basically said you're referring to him. Thank you for bringing that up. He said, I've noticed, Greg said, I personally noticed traveling with the team, I've gotten a lot more. And he basically said, it's a different, it's a different world in that part. You sit down for breakfast and Mickey is at every table. Yep. And this isn't just, you said players, Caleb, but I think it's he meant too. support staff. I think Everyone. he meant support staff. And he said, and he talked to every single one about what needed to be. It wasn't just, it was A, knowing them and yep. caring about them. But the other thing Greg said about it was, it was about, Talking to them about their job and what needed to be done, which and went empowering, to, which went to what you were yeah. talking about, which was organization and those sorts of things. And and this was this was what Greg said. He said that just didn't happen before. Yeah. And he said no. that's not a, he said that's not a dig. Okay, he said that's not a dig. But it was a completely different personality when Scott Frost. It was is there in hard. Those situations. It is hard to explain some of the stories of which I have heard from people that would know and people that were directly involved of just like how different that leadership style is versus what occurred for five years. Hmm. I mean, it, there was just a lot of like gaps, I guess, if you will. Like people had to just sort of fill them in as they wanted to what? and, how and i think does... this is the part where when you're looking at someone as a first time first time head coach of a power conference school it's can you handle the head coaching the head coaching portion to not have those gaps and what we're seeing right now is mickey is saying how can i cover all of my bases and he's going out and doing that not just as a way to go what's a head coach supposed to do it's that part about being genuinely authentic that he wants everyone to be on the same page. When he's empowering people to do their job, where it's not, it's on me to go fix all of this, so I've got to seclude myself from everyone, show up with all the answers, tell them what they need to do, even if it's not something they know how to do it. Whereas this is the sort of leadership style of you're, you're working with them, you're figuring out what's going to work for them, and you're empowering them to do their job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I got this picture, the, the sort of this visual that Greg had was, you know, they're in, they're in uh, West Lafayette or whatever, having having breakfast the morning before, and he, he's going, he's going to the team, he's going to Casey Thompson, he's going to all these guys, he's going to the video guys, right? Who are there? He's he's going to you, you know whatever uh, the equipment guys yeah. who are there, and this isn't an act. And like I, I want to make that clear, like. This isn't for show. Like he's doing this without the idea that someone's yes. even paying attention to it. And and the thing that that makes me wonder if all that's true. I really, you know, Greg saying it then. I mean, I had a sense maybe that was happening, but Greg saying it and you talking about it now really puts it in perspective. And something I haven't thought Since of. Since we just, won't have helmet stickers, I'll have that sound pulled up during. Okay, it sounds stickers. good. We'll listen to it. But like, how different does you know? We've all been in different sort of work environments, right? And something, you know, something changes, you get a different leader, you get a different person, and it completely changes how you feel about your job. Mm -hmm. Just like that. I wonder how much of that has happened yep. with some of the people in, in, in that program, if that was the case. And maybe it was fine. Maybe it wasn't that bad prior. I don't know that. Well, but and it doesn't hear... even have to have been bad. Just it, it might be different and someone feels different about their job. They may have been performing at a high level yeah. in whatever capacity they were part of in the program. But sometimes just having that change, you go, oh, I do kind of like this. Like, not that the previous was bad or that I didn't get along with what was going on might previously. Not have known what was out there. They yeah. just go, oh, it also, this is also something that I go a step further now. 
it creates a sense of community too instead of a, a bunch of individuals individually doing their mm-hmm. stuff you're working collectively yeah so it and, and and then i wonder how much of that gets back to you know how much trev is is valuing sure people people talking to you know is he talking to to these people who are there's a good chance that trev is also like, in that room talking that's to a good people. point <laughs> because that's that's what he's like if you've seen that's him at true that so. sounds like trev a little bit doesn't yeah, it it really does it really does Oh, man, I don't know. This is going to be so, oh, it's going to be so tough. It is going to be, this situation just, it just, it sucks for Trev. I mean, it really does because we continue, guys. He had to know going in we, that this I is. I know, but we continued. I don't know. I don't know if he knew. I mean, I honestly am surprised at how endeared I am and everyone else is to Mickey Joseph. Uh, I don't know that it. I, Maybe, you don't think I should have been? Maybe you knew him better than I did, though. Well, no, I, 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 in the sense that I've probably been around him a little bit more than you have, maybe. But and, and just knowing like how highly his players, former players, even people that have left or didn't have great careers, speak of him, uh, just because of how he sort of handles people, I'm not super surprised. And then a lot of it is just everyone was searching for a reason to like Nebraska football for the last two months. Mickey Joseph has given them more reason in the last two months than they've pretty much had in the last two years, three years. Mm-hmm. Like, this hasn't been a – if you're a fan right now, you should pat yourself on the back for sticking through it. It isn't a fun team to cover. I can't imagine it's a fun team to wake up every Saturday and be like, well, they're playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what am I going to get? Like, mm-hmm. And then the moments of just feeling happy about stuff has been so few and far between that I, it's not a surprise to me that people have gravitated towards – what you know is covered as a, a more optimistic program what is presented as a more optimistic program they played better on the football field these last three games than they had in the previous four i mean mm-hmm. so there's a lot that works to it it's not just your brain tricking you into liking it yeah there's a reason so you think you trev like- saw that coming well, I think he had to know i mean he he knows uh, Mickey better than any of us you're right you're right i um, just he just didn't he sounded and maybe i interpreted him wrong interpreted him wrong on that sunday after they got rid of scott frost but when i when he was posed a question about mickey joseph it sounded to me at the time and maybe he was playing 5d chess but it sounded to me that he wanted to say we're doing he wanted to emphasize this is a national search we're not we're, we are looking outside the program yeah. right now for our next head coach. Well, That's how it landed with me. Well, I, I think even, even still with doing a national search, what that is saying is here is the interim head coach who's going to be here for the next nine games. He's not being handed this. There, yeah. There's the opportunity well, for... Still, they still have to go achieve something. I, like if but they I lose interpreted the games. Okay, I'm just saying, but I interpreted it further than that, and I right. might have been wrong, but I the way that that hit me was... We're not hiring Mickey. Mm-hmm. We're hiring a big. We're hiring a big, big name from outside yeah. of the program. And they that's how could. it hit me at the time. You're right. You're right. But well, I'm sure he feels different having <coughs> seen this play out. I mean, that's what I'm. What? Yeah, yeah. and I, I agree with that. I'm sure he feels different today than he did on the day of that press conference. I just. It is the. And of course, had he been winning, but I'm just finding myself more in. Like, 
I have such mixed feelings about it now. I have such it's almost a head and a heart thing because I I've, I'm I'm like ever like a whole bunch of other people. I've gotten super endeared to Mickey and and you explained some of it and and some of it I can't even explain. And the funny thing is, I don't even know if it matters that he's a former player at Nebraska. Like it might a tiny bit, but not a whole lot. I think like, for some fans it does. For some fans, they want to have a connection yeah, to the past. To but Osborne, I think, but, specifically. But overall, uh, that's true. That, and that was one of my things when we initially were putting together kind of our coaching list. One, he didn't have any head coach experience. And two, simply having a connection to the program is not something that I think is necessary. As we've gone on, I go, I don't think it even is the connection to the program. He can talk about the program in a way that somebody who has not been a part of it like he, because he's been here, he could talk about it and say, "My alma mater. This is a place that I love," and, and those types of things. When he's recruiting, that you can't do, even if he was at LSU. I guess. You know? But but now, I still don't think it has anything to do with with his position and the majority of fans liking him. Right. I mean, like, unlike Scott Frost or Turner Gill or name your favorite ex player turned coach, there were a lot of people who. There was a, you know, unless you were of a certain age, you heard his name and you, he wasn't, you know, he was a quarterback, but he wasn't even a big enough star. There were a lot of people who probably didn't know. He was I didn't know who Mickey Joseph was until Terry Joseph was hired as Nebraska's defensive backs coach in yeah. 2013. Yeah. And, and that was because Bruns is like, oh yeah, his cousin is Mickey Joseph, who was like a big recruit in Nebraska landed. Yeah. But beyond that. No. Right, you don't have. Well, any I knew memory. more about Vance Joseph than right. I did Mickey Joseph. Right, and 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 then I was of that era, and I remember Mickey like right away. I remember, but he wasn't. He was just. It was kind of in that in that era for me. That was it, and I just remember my dad always got mad because he didn't like the way that he didn't protect the ball when he carried it. He, my dad hate. Boy, I wish my dad could be here. Would be a big loaf of bread guy. I would. Yes, my dad would be. He would do. He would run the option and he would do the thing where he handed it in front of him. My dad swore he was going to fumble it every time, and I wish to anything I could hear my dad's reaction to him potentially being the head coach right now. He would first thing he would say is first ball thing security says, ball security. I think he's his. Hand Hands are too small. I think when he throws it, his hands are too small. He also, that was a thing too among a lot of dads in the era. I think. Do people carry loaves of bread like a football? Like I, I, this is a, an analogy I've never understood. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I usually carry it by the the, the handle. I think, on yeah, the bag, you get the right? little bag. So I think what they mean by that is that you're being careful with the ball and just kind of you don't want to smash it. Whereas when you're holding a football. You want the points of pressure, and you're going to grip it a certain way. I don't think it's necessarily people are running with, with I don't a know. of bread under their it's, arm. My whole life, I've heard this expression, and I've always been confused by it. And, and I, I know, I know exactly. You can watch highlights, and you can still see it. There were times, Mickey, and when he ran with the ball, he did did a lot of running from the quarterback position. He would kind of hold it out in front of him with one hand, Just because that's come back again now. Has like, it? That's like a thing in the the. Yeah, you see these receivers like. They're always kind of holding it out because yeah. they, they want to try to have that ball placement, you know, if they're running out of bounds or yes, whatever. That's it's what like, it is. It was that a, kind of thing. It's yeah. a big thing for people playing a lot of seven-on-seven, seven, playing yep. a lot of flag football. It's where the ball is right. when you're down. I should have so told my dad he was ahead of his time. So, so running out of bounds, <laughs> you want to hold that ball out get that extra yard. I'm just thinking, like, I've seen Stephon Diggs do it, like, a million times <laughs> where he's catching it and immediately, like, pushing that ball out <laughs> just to get an extra yard or two. Just, now what you need is someone to catch it in the middle of the field hold both arms out and just run down the field like that. <laughs> Wherever you guys get me, I got a yard.
the only other thing I want to emphasize that you both said, and I think you were both right on, but I think is even even a bigger deal too, is it goes back to you know him him doing the responsibility thing after Oklahoma, but it's this whole. And you said that you know Nebraskans like people being authentic, mm-hmm. but you know what else N- N- Nebraskans like is this idea of personal responsibility. Oh, for sure, of, of this whole thing. And when they hear <laughs> when they hear a coach, I'm hey, telling we're you, building you the full campaign right now. That sounded like such a dig as you said it. Why they Nebraskans? You know what Nebraskans like? They love personal pers- response. They love it as an idea. Absolutely, I'm not saying I, I'm not uh, arguing against it. I'm saying the way you said it. They love was the so idea. Dripping with and I say they. It's me. I'm a Nebraskan. T- I mean, I I like some personal responsibility here and there. <laughs> no, you. <don't. laughs> You don't want to be responsible for any of your own But actions. Mickey, it's Mickey not only doing it for himself into the Oklahoma game, but seeing him run the program also yep. like it as well. People love, you don't remember how mad I got when he took Casey Thompson out of that Indiana game uh, when, when they pulled Casey Thompson and then they brought Chubba in and he struggled. It was I was real dumb. I was furious about that. You know who loved that? Personal responsibility people. <laughs> they loved it. That in itself endeared. Now, to me, I call that my first fight with my girlfriend, with with Mickey Joseph, is what that was. Um, or you know, this is an analogy. Yeah, not yeah, my no, real. I, 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 <laughs> that's what that We're was. Going to let me. that sit in the air. So that's me. a different. Uh, that's where I differ. I think than a lot of people did on. But they see it. It's they see it with the way that he talks about players, with the way that he's done that, and and feeling like it hasn't been done by, frankly, you know, probably the last two coaches, probably. Yep. Probably yep. the last two. And there's a little bit of, hey, I remember that from, it was kind of what they liked about, you know, you know, the, the Pelinis of the world too, but without that, the gruff exterior to some degree, I guess. I don't know. How much of this, and, and maybe I'm just off. How much of this is just sort of the honeymoon period of it's something it's, new? See, that's also, I wonder that. Like, does this go away in two weeks if, if Illinois just always, blows the doors off of Nebraska and they struggle against I Minnesota? Because I keep thinking, like, how will this look in two years if things don't go that well? Yeah. How different will things feel? And how many times would you say you had this opportunity and you took the, you know, this this sounds mean, but you took the obvious easy choice. Well, it, the thing is, I don't think it's an easy choice. Like I, I think the easy choice is to go grab a Lance Leipold or a Matt Campbell and just assume that they're at a place that's slightly better than where they're at, and you're going to get results that are better because of it. Like to me, that strikes you strikes me as the easier choice of the two. Mm. Choosing to hire a guy that's never been an offensive coordinator, yeah, whose head coaching experience was at Langston in Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, an NAIA program, I'm pretty sure. Like that's that's a difficult choice. Like you're you get a little bit more information because he's in the chair right now, mm-hmm. and people like him, so that makes that aspect easier. But you're also making your first ever hire for a head football coach at your alma mater. Like it it means a ton to Trevor. Like yes, the stress he's under right now is. Pretty high, I right. think. Which is why making I I still yeah you're right. Making this call would be so hard. Making the call to hire Mickey would that's, be so hard. Right, if that's now. who it is. I think people should acknowledge that it's not a simple solution for Trev Alberts to do this because because he's tying his name to him. If it doesn't work and it goes real poorly, I don't think Trev's going to be here either. No, 
No. The uh, uh, I get it's there's this internal tor- turmoil like my deep in my head believes so strongly that the one path Nebraska hasn't gone down and they need to go down is somebody who's got proven success experience at this level of college football bringing in what they know how to do and have done already they haven't done it with any of their hires Mike Riley had experience but not not success okay yeah, it's over 500 nah. <laughs> Well, and, and and frankly, you know, I think that. So that's number one, and that's that's not Mickey. But then on the other hand, like I also have this big fear of missing out with Mickey too. That I'm like, what if you know? And I like him so much, and maybe I should just compromise what I've been saying about those. Uh, like I'm having an internal battle on I love this it. whole thing. I, I am, it. and I think other fans are too. I think how much of it? Too. How how often have you done the? Would I rather have Mickey than X? Uh, a few times. We can we can get into that more. I, I yeah, we can we can get into that more because I've gone back and forth with this whole thing. So let's grab a break. Uh, we we've got helmet stickers, but so we didn't talk go. about any likability of any other coach. We'll 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 keep this co- we'll keep this topic going. Okay. So we have no helmets. No, stickers. the likability is how much we like Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> I can just slows you down. Call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Ofgren. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 737 LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Normally we give helmet stickers during this segment, but guess what? No game last week. It was a bye week. Uh, and so we don't have helmet stickers, but just to update the standings, uh, Trey Palmer, not surprisingly, leading everyone in helmet stickers. Anthony Grant, a.k.a. I test Anthony with eight. Casey Thompson with seven. Brian Bashini with six. Travis Vokalek with five. Those is, that's your leaderboard right now. And then you got to skip a couple before you get to anybody else who's got that. So, uh, we'll see who gets the helmet stickers this week. We did want to play you. We were, we were kind of trying to paraphrase that clip, um, from Greg, which I thought was really interesting yesterday when he was on our show, kind of talking about his experience, just, just watching Mickey Joseph. Uh, my, my original question, I don't know if you have the question. Yeah, I got the you question. You have the question. Here. All right. Yep. Well, I won't, I won't try to phrase that then. Just, uh, uh, hit play then we'll take a listen to this greg i want to ask you because you might have some unique insight in this i'm just i'm curious you know you've sat down with mickey several times in in your various roles there um and at the beginning and i i'm just curious as as this kind of evolved as it's gone on a few weeks has he gotten more comfortable is he different has he felt more head coachy throughout all of it uh, just kind of curious about that evolution which has to be a difficult one being thrown as an, in as an interim coach I'm, I'm glad you asked that because of our road games the last couple of weeks. It gives me a chance to be around the team a lot more because I can hang out with them breakfast time and some of those things. It's impressive to watch him go work a room. I mean, he goes up to every table, whether it's the managers, whether it's the student assistants, whether it's the, career head, the, the true assistant coaches, and he's got something to say to all of them. Hey, remember this, or do this, or hey, what, do we have this covered? It, I mean, it, the interaction is really impressive. And then to see him around the players, and, and it's just so different than, than Scott Frost. Scott did not have that kind of a outgoing personality. It's not good or bad. It's just way different. But I, I like what I see from Mickey. I'm not here campaigning for his job. That's up to him. He's got to go. This is the, the audition part is on him now to what, how he coaches these games. But, man, I just, I just have really been impressed. 
with the way he handles himself and the way he has wrapped his arms around this fantastic opportunity given to him by Trev Albert. Yeah. And, and and neither you nor I have the answer to this, but it's real. I just wonder, I wish I could get inside Trev's head. Like, how much do you value and analyze the outcome of the next five games in considering Mickey as a candidate? Because in some ways, it's all you've got in terms of his resume as a head coach. He just doesn't have it. But on the other side, you know, the same way if, you know, if Matt Campbell went two and three to finish the season, you wouldn't eliminate him from the running. So it's, I mean, it's just a, it's a difficult calculus. I don't envy sort of how you weigh apples and oranges like Trev has to do here. Well, I think, you know, it's no, if Nebraska goes 0 and 5 down the stretch, I, I think the, the odds would be really slim that Mickey's a guy. If Nebraska goes 2 and 3, it's going to be interesting. If yeah. they get to 3 and 2 and get to a bowl game, I think Mickey's, well, he'd be the odds on favorite to I be think so. the, the permanent head coach moving forward. So a lot of moving parts. Trev is still doing the work behind the scenes and I think probably using the the search firm to kind of identify a pool of candidates and you know Trev's probably making some calls on the side asking people about what he who they think about coach X or Y or Z but also keeping an eye on what Mickey's doing and yeah. so yeah, that's this is the fun thing about it it may be it may drive all of us crazy over the next five weeks right. trying to figure out where this thing's going and I don't know when the Jack Mitchell's ch- uh, tracking flight plan starts, but I mean, it, it's all going to probably start happening here in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, the, and, and the only thing I wondered, uh, and I'm curious what you think about this, if for whatever reason he would decide it's Mickey, is there any reason why you wouldn't wait till the end of the season to make that announcement and you might do it a little sooner, or do you think sure. no matter what, it still comes later? No, I think if if it's pretty obvious by mid-November that you're going forward with him, sure, make the announcement, get and particularly if you maybe have a bull bit on the line, that might be the extra kick for the players to to push forward. And hey, the players love him; they're they're rooting for him. They would like, and obviously that he's the known. You're scared of the unknown. You don't know what if Coach Y comes in is going to like you as much as Mickey would. So that's yeah. what the players are going to pull for him and play hard for him. And that's part of the battle of being the head coach yep. is to get your guys to play hard for you. So there you go. I thought a lot a lot of interesting stuff there, particularly Greg's firsthand account of. Just kind of, just kind of seeing Mickey in action on the road, interacting with everyone, um, and, and it gets to a lot of what Mike, what you were talking about in the past too, um, with with him and and the change. So we'll see. It, 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 I did. It did make me think. Just listening back to the end of that conversation, where I asked the question, you know, is this maybe something that if you decided on, you don't wait to the last minute for, and you think about that potential timing. And the the one situation where it makes sense to me would be if you if you beat Wisconsin, right, and you got that Iowa game next. And he said maybe if it were for a bowl game, so that would mean if that were the case, it would mean you would win, I suppose, one of these next two, and then win that Wisconsin game, and you need that Iowa game, and and you make that. But that's the time. To me, that's the time you would do it because no other, unless you go way early and would do it after this current game. Because otherwise, you do it going into Michigan. I don't think you want to do that. You do it going out of Michigan. I don't think you want to do that as well. If you win the next three, I guess, and you're six and four coming out of that Michigan game, maybe we just uh, ended at that point. Well, yeah. Yes. But I think you want to avoid, I don't think you want just the PR part of either coming off a, a loss, you know. Again, who knows what will happen against Michigan, but Nebraska will be a heavy, heavy underdog in in that game. So going into it or coming out of it, I think you probably avoid that. So that leaves the week between Illinois and Minnesota. That leaves the week between Wisconsin and Iowa, if if you were going to do something earlier rather than mm-hmm. later. 
again, I don't know. I'm just kind of playing out scenarios because it's all we can do. And it's driving us nuts. We've been speculating about this dang thing for six weeks. You guys were you were talking insane. in that audio. You are talking at the end of, of when it gets announced. And I have in my head this like vision of Nebraska beating Iowa at Iowa. Trev Alberts walks in with the game ball again and just, you know, wraps up a speech about how proud he is of how they fought to the end. And then, oh, by the way. Mickey Joseph, we're removing interim coach in the whole locker room. Just, <laughs> just goes absolutely. <laughs> oh, God, you're giving me goosebumps. See, that would be. The See, thing is, the I, reason I don't that you. I don't know that it's the right decision, but that makes me so happy. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're getting the Nebraska video production where the whole thing's set to like Friday Night Lights, sped up music in yeah. the background from explosions in the sky. And, right. And you've got five different camera angles. As his campaign manager, it's my job motion. to come up with these things. Right, this is the kind of marketing that you need to do clearly with this whole thing yeah that just i i it's it's hard to believe how, how torn i'm i feel on on that whole thing but and, and i guess the other question is and we didn't get into this it just turned into a discussion about mickey which is you know kind of interesting kind of what the coaching it's, search has been i was just gonna say it's it's uh kind of a summation of what's actually happened um but i i don't know i don't know how much personality matters for the rest of it i do still go back to that thought that trev said you know, we don't need somebody who's going to win the press conference. Like, I still wonder about him, you know, what he was thinking about when he said that specifically. Well, I don't think at the time you had Mickey Joseph to look at as somebody who was winning press conferences yet. Yeah. And is he really winning them? I mean, that's another question. I mean, he's not losing them, but is it really? I mean, the press conferences have not put up points on him. So <laughs> that's true. All right, we'll we'll take a break. I had, uh, that stupid joke ruined your whole line of thought. I, I thought it. I was having a very interesting line of conversation. Yeah, you did. We're just gonna take a break. <laughs> we got our morning. It's fine. It's totally fine. We need to anyway. The music was playing. Uh, it's seven forty six. You listen to the Friday Husker Tailgate on KLIN. Hear the Huskers home and o- Epic hotline four zero two four seven nine fourteen fourteen. Keeping you moving with time saver traffic. I'm Chris Lofgren. Five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. All right, it is time, so let's count them down. And it's all brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. So without any further ado, let's get it going with number five. Well, interim head coach Mickey Joseph said that they used the bye week to get healthy, but also announced Nick Henrich is out for the year. What are we looking at for replacements there and also other places we're hoping guys might be able to come back? Yeah, Henrich out. You talked about it, Mike. There's just kind of not – he was kind of made for – you finally yeah. get to this kind of a game right. that he seems to be better suited for than what he's had. He's done in some of the other games, and now he's out, and there may not be – you know, there may not be a guy on the roster that kind of is that type I, of a middle linebacker. I guess Hausman is maybe your next sort of – option there because he's a little bit bigger than than Malga Clements but the concern I always have with him is if teams are able to just isolate him in coverage right now he's really so far behind where you you want a guy out there playing um but I he can provide a little bit more in terms of physicality with tackles but he had his own issues with missed tackles against North Dakota like it's just tough and he's, he's like 18 19 years old like I don't have a lot of expectations yeah. for this husband so it, um that's a really rough spot, and it's where you, you know, you wish you had uh, 
Will Honus or, you know, uh, one right. of those guys is he basically yeah. can just be a competent, you throw him in there. I don't know, Kalarovic, you move him back to inside linebacker for for this game. I don't understand what they did with him all what? season long. I forgot what position he even came in at. And he came in as an inside linebacker. Okay. And has just sort of bounced around and filled depth. And they're, they're enamored with his athleticism, and he played a little nickelback, and now that's mostly Isaac Gifford. So um, I guess Kalarovic, you know, could be the other option besides so, Reimer. So Kalarovic is listed as um, right next to Reimer at, yeah. at the top on linebacker. Yeah, so they, they basically just made that where he's – and I, I think they did that a couple weeks ago. They talked about that was going to yeah. be a thing. So, it's it's weird to me that an inside linebacker could also potentially play nickelback. That's how athletic he is. Like he's just a he's kind of like a I don't freak. think you'd be putting Henrich at nickelback, right? No, but you could put Reimer there. No, I guess so. The the, the difference between Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich is pretty stark. Like in terms of size and and playing style yeah. and all of it. The thing that's weird, Nebraska switched to this four three, and they have essentially two guys for the same spot playing middle linebacker, but. It, it, I don't know. It's always looked kind of odd. I, the thing about the, the whole Mickey conversation, just to, we always have to work them into everything. I, I am really interested what the defense looks like, almost regardless of who the coach is, because whoever comes in is going to look at this roster and be like, what were they doing? Like, they didn't really build out the defensive line for a 3 4. Yeah. So then you get here. If you want to run a three four, you have to go find some. Didn't pieces. feel like they were ever recruited to do a system, right? They, they were it's just kind of like let's just go collect some players and we'll throw them in, and and positions are meaningless in twenty twenty two. Positions, yeah, yeah. I, it just has not worked well. Uh, number oh. four. No, I was just going to say real quick on the other side of the ball, Brock Bando and Kevin Williams are both trying yeah. to to come back as well. Right. Uh, number four, Trey Palmer going to be drawing attention. After his number of receptions and receiving yards against Purdue, if Illinois does give him attention, what's the most likely second option in that receiving? Who benefits from Illinois finally being a team that covers Trey that the way you need to cover him if they are able to do that? Gotta be Vokalek, right? Vokalek is the first one that comes to mind for me. Uh, the other one, and we saw this in the second half against Rutgers. If you play it in a way that. Anthony Grant kind of tails the area where that Trey Palmer's running off and they're in man mm. coverage and you have two people. Like it's clear out routes. Yeah. You're dumping it off to Anthony Grant against linebackers. Yeah. I mean, you may not be able to run the ball traditionally with Anthony Grant. Well, not not just Anthony Grant, but we heard this week that Ramir that's Johnson exactly what I was thinking. is supposed Tweet. to be getting a little bit more run. You mean a running back that's decent I in mean, pass protection, has good hands, and can be used as a wide receiver, has been on this roster the whole time? And was literally lined up on the depth chart as a wide receiver? Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, and Grant could do it too. I mean, we've seen him do good things at receiving out of the backfield, but... Like that's Ramirez's game, right? What if what if they spend like eighty percent of the game on offense in a formation that has both of those guys on the field at the same time? I don't know. It's, Just a mess with Illinois. I would love to see what the addition of the actual addition of Ramirez significantly could be. And this isn't this isn't me. Like I've had this guy on the depth chart that I'm buying into the hype of. No, he did it. <laughs> he did it last year. He was the best offensive option against Michigan oh, last college year. football playoff team, and he can't he get was, on the field. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, it's bizarre. It is. It does so, not make and any it's sense. Not, and, and, and we kind of thought, well, it's just, there was the weird Scott Frost Whipple thing about who was playing and who wasn't playing. 
Well, that should be gone now. Well, right? and it doesn't seem like it's an injury, and he looked pretty good in a 14-yard carry he got right before <laughs> the end of the first <laughs> half. So, yeah, like, get him out there. Play him. Yeah, let's let's see him as, as another option. Number three. Maybe Big they're ten- saving him to surprise everyone. Yeah, sure. Big Ten Conference announced the 2023 slate of league games. Nebraska is going to be opening up the season on a Thursday at Minnesota, close it out at home Black Friday against Iowa. There is a seven-week stretch for the Huskers built into the schedule that they will leave Lincoln just once. Yeah. it's a. I know people focused kind of on two road games at the beginning, but... You know, whatever. It, I mean, if there's going to be one road non-conference game and you're going to play a conference game at the beginning, that's that's possible to happen. I'm not too worked up about that. I think it's an exciting start to the to the schedule. I mean, you you get a Minnesota team that is really going to have to try to be finding itself after and who shouldn't have Tanner Morgan for the 37th year, so they're going to have a new quarterback and new running back. No, Ibrahim won't yeah. be there, and so you get kind of a decent soft start there and then Colorado is going to have their own new coach and um you know both of those are drivable like I I yeah. expect a lot of Nebraska yes. fans at each of those That was games. my thought too. That was my thought too. It wasn't like oh man what a what a rugged schedule. I was like okay, those are two fun yep. When else have you had two fun games to start out the season with? Getting one of those it's like oh this is going to be a great road and trip like for the you, fan base. Yeah, you know, road trips. Like, road trips. Just take two weeks off. Just travel yeah. and follow the Make team. Make a weird loop down to Colorado. We need to get that. We need to get the RV. Tailgate both. Yeah, let's let's do take, it. Take the Friday Husker. But that, Caleb's right. The other thing that is weird about it is like there is like a month and a half period then where you leave. Where do they go? To, to, uh, is it Illinois? I want to say the one road Illinois. game in the middle of that schedule. I don't have it pulled up. I want to say it's Illinois because they're at home against Michigan, and then they're on the road against Illinois, and then there's a bye week that's going to turn into a wedding that I have to attend, <laughs> and then there's another home game, and then they're Illinois on the road again. Nailed yep. it. at Illinois on October seventh. Otherwise, you don't. You go from September tenth to November third. Other than that game in yeah. Lincoln, so it goes Minnesota at Minnesota at Colorado, home against Northern Illinois, home against Louisiana Tech, home, home against, against Michigan, Michigan, then to Illinois, and then to Illinois bye week, and then I want to say Purdue, Northwest, home Northwestern, Northwestern, home Purdue. All right, yep. all right, moving on. Number two. Uh, this isn't a press conference, and you guys aren't the head coach, so I'll ask you. You got Malachi. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Mike, you were saying this is what you expected from the beginning. Yeah. The, the most interesting thing were, were kind of his comments at the end about just how instrumental Mickey Joseph was and maybe the difference between uh, coming and not coming here. Yeah, I think when he first got to meet Mickey in January of, of 2022, they really hit it off. And at that point, Mickey became the point person in that recruitment. Mickey obviously won over Malachi, won over the family, and it was a... It was a situation where it was going to take sort of a perfect storm of another program that had a, a coach that he connected with to pull him away. He'll have a game tonight, too. We'll see how he plays without all that hanging over his head yeah. for the first time. Hopefully well for the Spartans. They've got a tough matchup tonight. Number one. Well, how are you guys ranking the difficulty of the rest of Nebraska's schedule in regards to the Big Ten West well, race? Well, I mean, I mean, if you're counting Michigan and whole, I mean, Michigan's obviously the hardest. Illinois, it's Michigan, Illinois, one, two, right? Yep. yep. I think, do we yep. all agree on that? And then it I, depends if you have Tanner Morgan from Minnesota. I would probably put Wisconsin three, Minnesota four, Iowa five. But you could argue wisconsin or minnesota it really doesn't matter i'll go i'll go minnesota wisconsin iowa yeah. i was yeah. the worst one of the bunch wow. agreed this is fun all right <laughs> that's it for your morning drive brought to you by stonebridge insurance stonebridge insurance and wealth management on klin to the huskers home and away welcome to K- all the traffic hotline 402-479-1414 keeping you moving with time saver traffic i'm chris lofgren
job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Stroud back in the pocket, being rushed, gets hit as he throws down the field. It's going to be intercepted. Miles Farmer at the 15-20 at the sideline. Rocks out of bounds. Flag comes out. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. First, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, we need a word, Caleb, for people to text in if they want to make the pick on exactly how many rushing yards that Illinois puts up against Nebraska. Uh, and uh, so they need to text in this word, the Rick Steinberg Condition text line, 402-479-1400. All one word. Kingfisher. Kingfisher. K-I-N-G-F-I-S-H-E-R? Correct. <laughs> I was a little nervous about that one, but I shouldn't have been. <laughs> After Politnikoff, you're worried. Got your rattled. Is that is that a reference to how Illinois tried to make their um, mascot, mascot a belt? Change. Yep. They tried to make, the students wanted to make the mascot a belted Kingfisher? Yep. And they didn't. I know that from playing, I know that full term from playing Bird Bingo with my son back in the day. Big Bird Bingo fan. So I know I know the you know the eastern screech owl the common grackle. Don't send right? any of those. Just send kingfisher. The common gra- yeah, kingfisher. Uh, you might get a pick. Uh, do we have our last pick in yet? Uh, yeah, Craig took two seventy six, one above Shane's two seventy five. This is when the strategy starts. So he's got right now two seventy six all the way to three forty four. You should text in now because statistically, I think this pick wins more than anyone any other pick. You got some good 10. options. Yeah, you, you play the field. You play. You got some strategy. Statistically, here. this one wins. Whereas last week, literally the first qualifier of the whole week was. It's so. it's first and last, and it's extremes that okay. win this yeah. game. That's that's how it works. <laughs> All right, Rusty Dawkins from uh, Channel 8, KLKN Eyewitness News Chief Meteorologist, is here again to tell us about a wild weather situation we are walking into uh, Yeah, for this game. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, first of all, I just, I guess I want everybody to be safe out there, yeah. Uh, mainly. Yeah, we should probably issue some sort of alert or like, uh, you know, sunshine or a nice day alert, something like that. It's just going to be incredible. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it's hard to believe... <laughs> It's hard to believe that we could say that is getting less interesting as the year goes on in terms of the weather around a game, which is to your benefit, by the way, if you're going to the game. Mm-hmm. But I think we've somehow done it. Correct, yeah. Rusty? Yeah. It, I, I hope we're not taunting Mother Nature too much or right. poking the bear, as as you might say. It's 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 going to be a really nice day. I mean, this is a top 10... Oh my goodness, it couldn't get any better than this. I have zero to talk about day. It's just so... I woke up this morning and went, great. I got to go in there and try to talk about the weather when it's going to be absolutely perfect. The sun might be a little bright at some point (laughs) if you look into it. I understand I'm really digging here for something yeah. to worry people about the weather for, but you're exactly right. I mean, I'm looking at, at the forecast that I have, and I see uh, low 70s, sunny skies, mm-hmm. not much wind. Yeah. Not There's much no potential for like a really big gust at some point. <laughs> Maybe up to 
15 miles oh, an hour. God. I mean, oh, hold on I know. to your hats. Batten down the hatches. <laughs> I hope you'll all be okay. Um, Goodness. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, but in, in all seriousness, so yeah, we got Heisenstein. I guess that means, you know, maybe pregame and at the end of the game, it you might need long sleeves. <laughs> Your your biggest issue is going to be dressing for this thing, and here's and this might be actually something you might want to think about. If you, it depends on where you're sitting. Now, if you're in the sun, it's going to be a little warmer, you know, like a solid ten degrees warmer. So maybe it gets uh, it feels like it's in the middle seventies. Okay. But if you're in the shade, right? Then what do you do? You know, I mean, is it do you, do you wear shirt? Do you wear shorts and a hoodie? Do you wear a t-shirt? Because it's going to be a little chilly. But then, what if the sun comes out? I mean, <laughs> layers. It's got to be layers. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's a conundrum. Horrifying situation for I know. Oscar fans to be put in. Just at I, this point. We're probably going to do an all-out uh, blitz on this on uh, Channel 8 later today. Uh, I would the just, honestly, of, I'd just blow out the entire 10 p.e. news. I will. I There's nothing on. else happening. Yeah. We're going to go straight. Rod comes on. We're going to go straight with a breaking weather bulletin to Rusty Dawkins. He's just going to take it for the next half hour. I, Everyone I, else go home. I don't feel I have a choice. I just, I'm just i going to have to make sure everybody is aware. It's of how are you going to be live from the mall? All right, here's how you're going to dress for the, the different mall. parts of the stadium. <laughs> Might as well. I, it's a... Uh, uh, like is there seriously? It's not really going to be that windy though. Is that no, right? No, I everything not, not that windy. I, okay, we're just in a, a a sweet spot where there's no low pressure, no high pressure near us, and that means the wind is is relaxed and, and quiet. Precip chances no. is nil. It's, basically, we have a, a a good chance of seeing blue sky. I mean, that's will it be too blue for people's eyes though? What if people. <laughs> <laughs> too blue like like your shirt it's, it hurts my, it's just it hurts it's a little eyes. intense maybe for people who have sensitive eyes uh, they got to wear those 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 glasses you know right. those commercials where they have the the whatever the orange hue to them yes so the blue it, blockers yeah, the, yeah, yeah yeah you'll need those yeah those commercials yeah that, that, that'd be good all right well uh let's uh let's go to the draft then even though we might have taken all the excitement out of that run game uh, one okay. the lowest the the lowest Most impact. Fun. Now again, this is the Dawkins weather and football theorem. Yes, that you so aptly named the draft. Yes, so that's that's what this is all yes. about. Uh, and the run game the, will have almost no impact. Zero. Uh, well, I've got a one. I mean, yeah. I didn't even think about it. Could, Could I you do zeros? zero? I don't know. We, I, I mean, it's our I, thing. I suppose I should have. It's, it's okay. Ones are fine. I mean, okay. like I said, the blue sky. Yeah. Uh, could be it, it might feel too good they might get too comfortable yeah 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 <laughs> not, not enough adversity yeah. it's actually to make so them nice. run with an edge <laughs> yeah have you thought of that I did not. nice it's nice nap weather it's like, too nice <laughs> they're chilling on the sidelines and just everybody gets closed. too mellow yeah yeah like they're giving it to anthony grant and he's like oh man oh. this is great isn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh all right pass game one. Uh, one, but you know what I didn't think about is the, the it's that afternoon shadow. Yeah. That might be an issue. Okay. Because you're throwing from the sun and it goes into yeah, the shadow or vice versa. Game. Yeah. A 2.30 game. I didn't think about that till just now. <laughs> you know, you don't, it, 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 we, can, we, can, we can adjust that. So maybe <laughs> okay. a two there. Uh, kicking game, no wind. Yeah, nothing. One, one. Yeah, should be able to kick six. Player performance, uh, basically perfect weather. Perfect. Not too warm, not too yeah. cool. That's a one. Yeah, that's a one. And uh, fan enthusiasm, same thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, in the morning though, what, what do you, what do you, do you have the hourly for? Uh, is this the hourly for Saturday though? 
that I'm looking at here. I'm not sure if that's what you're looking at. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, I mean, even that is nice. I mean, you're looking at temperatures in the the lower 40s uh, when the sun comes up. So, yeah, it's cool, but you expect that this time of year. Yeah, if you tailgate, you might be at 50 when you get started at 10 a.m., maybe. Which, uh, I mean... When you're eating abroad at 50 degrees yeah, early in the great. morning, it's, it's just a, it's, it's just awesome. it's just a delight. Is and the, what it is. And the le- have you noticed the leaves around town? Beautiful, fantastic, beautiful, top notch leaves. <laughs> it's just it doesn't. It's so hard to find something negative to say right now about this situation. I okay, have you noticed any bugs? You know those little those little black. Uh, I, I think they got frozen to yeah. death. I think they died a the horrible death they deserve. It's this I is. Think. A top ten. Not day. that many allergens anymore. No, no, those are all frozen away. Not even a top ten. It's a top five day on Saturday. Uh, sunset. Uh, one it, sunsets now at six twenty six. Yeah. We still haven't hit daylight saving. So the end of this game, uh, we'll have to have the lights on. What I do wonder is, will it be dark enough to do the uh, pyrotechnics between the third and the third, fourth quarter? I doubt it. I, I don't think so. That's okay. because your suns. The sun sets at six twenty six. I mean, you game, can still do them. They just might yeah. not look as good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's a really deep dive into a super nice day mm-hmm. from uh, Rusty I think, Dawkins. I didn't think we were going to be able to do it that good. No, that's, I appreciate uh, your professionalism. Thank on you. This. I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I will say this. I see at least, I can tell you this. I see next Saturday, the mm-hmm. 5th. I mean, we're way out, but still going to be like 73. I do see the potential for some light rain, though. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, w- watch out. I'll be monitoring we, that. We may have an actual weather factor for our meteorologist mm-hmm. uh, on the show to actually talk about for the first time this year. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to do with myself uh, if that's the case. I'm not prepared. By the uh, way, also speaking of super nice weather, Halloween night looks looks amazing. For yeah, trick or treaters, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's Halloween's that time of year when it starts to get cold yeah. you know you can really but not this halloween no. it's it's going we might to hit 80 again in november it i know like. it's it's a warm forecast uh we'll pay for it down the road because yep. mother nature always does that to us You're but crushed enjoy you know we talk about not having a long enough fall i think this year has kind of put an end to that this is this fall we kind actually of atmosphere. got a full fall yeah. this year we're we, into we, a forever really fall it feel it feels like a forever fall for alliteration i like that people world. down there I yeah. like that world. I'd like to do that. I'd like to do <laughs> hay rack rides in February. Yeah. That'd be nice. I'd like to eat candy corn Is that in that pumpkin April. spice in your yeah. coffee mug? Yeah, no, it could. I'd be doing it on the 4th of July in forever fall land. <laughs> apple, pip- apple picking for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, all winners there. All right, so the draft is a total of five, maybe yep. six if you were to do it again, but let's be honest, yeah. it doesn't matter it's whatsoever. Nice. It's a fake number we just made up. But anyway, uh <laughs> Rusty, for uh, for those... Oh, by the way, uh, it looks like you're going to have a busy day at the stadium, too, obviously monitoring all this in mm-hmm. person. Well, what's something I was thinking about on the way over here, this is that Halloween game. So everybody's going to be able to dress however they want because uh, it's not going to be cold. It won't be windy. Yeah. So all of the costumes, it should be a really good, especially in the student section, all of those crazy costumes. I do want to, uh, on, on a slightly more serious note, not that serious, though, if you, Rusty talks in our uh, the new Jack Mitchell podcast not mm-hmm. only about his job at Memorial Stadium, which we've delved a little bit into, which is really interesting, uh, but his entire career, the going away, the coming back to Lincoln, his unknown to me career as an electrician. Yeah. which is fascinating <laughs> um and a whole lot of stuff about weather and and tv meteorology it was a lot of fun yeah so. that, w- that was a fun podcast uh, thanks for having me on that um it was it, being an electrician was a, an experience it yes. was a weird thing to do but i'm really glad i did it because 
now I can wire in all my yeah. own outlets. Yeah, that podcast being out for two weeks, uh, give it about another few days, you're going to start getting uh, calls from people who your friends and acquaintances be like, actually, Rusty, I do have an electrical issue, and I didn't know until now that you had that expertise. Do you mind coming over this Saturday? That'd be great. Okay? That, already, that already happened once with uh, Megan at Channel 8. She found out I was oh, yeah. so I installed a life. All right. Well, I bet, yeah, so you're going to miss those days when it was just Megan. Yeah. All right. There you go. That's Rusty Dawkins from Channel 8 Eyewitness News. Uh, you can see him at 5, 6, and 10. Uh, and you can, uh, of course, follow him on all his various social media accounts, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, keep up to date on the weather, on the Husker weather, and more. Thank you very much, Rusty. I appreciate it. Always Talk a good to time. you soon. All right. Say at 18, we're going to grab a break right now. We've got a little opposition disposition. Mike also has a game he wants to play with me. And uh, we, 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 I think we're going to try it. Okay. It's called Mickey Orr. Mickey Orr, not O A R, like row the boat, but Mickey O R. So we'll like we'll Kennedy Orr's dad. No, that's, no. Just, that's not Uncle. That'd be, that'd be weird if Kennedy's dad was named Mickey, though. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. It's eight nineteen. It's L N K today with Jack and friends on K L I N. You're listening to Lincoln's radio home of Husker football, men's basketball. We've got warmer weather to enjoy. Some of the last chances for fun in a pumpkin patch. For the Channel Eight Storm Alert team, I'm meteorologist Jessica Blum. Do you know your foe? Well, we'll introduce you, but we can't guarantee you'll get along. It's the Friday Husker Tailgates Opposition Disposition on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIF. All right, it's 822. Uh, we're, we'll, go, we'll go through our opposition disposition first, and then if we have time, we'll get back to that to that other discussion that we had. But since the music's playing, we, we probably should start with that. That that seems to make sense. But let's talk uh, let's talk on the field Illinois football. We did this earlier in the uh, in the show today, but it is interesting to uh, take a look back at what Illinois has done this year to get them to where they are uh, to this unbeaten spot. Uh, week one, they win against Wyoming, thirty-eight to six in a game in Champaign in week zero. Uh, week two, or not unbeaten? They weren't unbeaten because they lost to Indiana. I, I forget that that game existed. Existed, which is still just a bizarre. I sort of remember watching well, that and game. Indiana had two receivers go over a hundred yards receiving in that game. Yeah. Oh, and oh. Indiana scored like the go-ahead touchdown in that game with like less than a minute left. Mm-hmm. Like they basically didn't do anything the entire time, and then just went down, and scored in forty seconds. Uh, Tommy DeVito threw a pick in that game. Um, one so of his two. One of his two picks this year was in that game, but <laughs> Tommy DeVito is a least scary quarterback name that 20, one could ever have. Twenty-one for thirty-five. Well, they got old Art Sikowski at backup, and that sounds like an eighty-seven-year-old. I dude, watched. So. I watched Art Sikowski go like sixteen of eighteen for one hundred and forty-four yards in that Week Zero game last yeah. year. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was a that was an odd game, but yeah, you're right, Caleb. Indiana Cam Camper for uh, Indiana, who didn't play against Nebraska, right? He had uh, 11 receptions for 156 yards against mm-hmm. Illinois, and then DJ Matthews had seven receptions for 109 for uh, Indiana. Basil was the best passing team. Basilek threw Basilek threw for 330 on him. Yeah. Yikes! Wow. Okay. So we did, did nothing to stem his confidence about. Well, there's a reason that Vegas has this as a touchdown game. Like they had Purdue as a 13 point favorite because they regard Purdue as a better team than Illinois. Interesting. Uh, and then then they played Virginia, who's you know an ACC team, and 
I don't know that they they've not had a great season. They have a new coach and it's been a close game against Syracuse at one point. I remember, Uh, but (laughs) what I do, they did have a close uh, since that game. Game you sum up a season in in one game that you. I mean, Virginia has a win against Georgia Tech, so they do have that. They beat Richmond at one point, lost to Syracuse, Louisville, Duke. Uh, those sorts of things. So, uh, but anyway, Illinois shut them down twenty four to three. Uh, the offense for Virginia couldn't do anything against them. Uh, shut out Chattanooga, uh, and then was that Wisconsin game, which that was really the point in the year where everyone was like, it was kind of took notice and and said, okay, Dillon has got something going here in short order when they just blew out Wisconsin. They controlled that whole well, game, and a lot of it was Graham Mertz just giving the ball away too. And that that was the game that got the uh, the Wisconsin coach on the move. Yeah, Chris well, was Chris. fired after that one. Mertz in that game, one touchdown, two interceptions. Um, you know, Chase Brown goes twenty five for one twenty nine in that game, and uh, Devito goes eighteen for twenty four for one hundred sixty seven yards and no touchdowns. So I mean, that was like that was the quintessential yeah. Illinois game, wasn't That's it? That's how they want to play. That where where they. You know, not at all gaudy passing numbers, but very efficient. Don't turn everything over there. Turn the other team over, and then let Chase Brown just just get five yards of carry, couple of long ones. Uh, run, like you said, do that yep. kind of similar schemes over and over again, and eventually get a long one. And that's what they did. And they, you know, they just didn't do much other than that, right? They threw it, they got the ball in Isaiah Williams' hands a few times, which is the other thing that they'll do. Anyway, then there was the nine to six game against Iowa. We all remember that. Did you watch any of that? I did not watch yeah, a single second of we it. Were so at- that happened to be when we had Oktoberfest going on over at Piedmont. Ah. And so we were running a TV off of a gas generator for that game. And at one point, the generator died. So we've got people with gas cans hurrying to refill the generator so we can watch this Illinois-Iowa punt fest. Yeah. Now, one thing about Illinois in that one, uh, DeVito was injured for part of it. So Art yeah. uh, Sitkowski did actually play in that game. He threw a pick in that game. And so that kind of affected things. But Chase Brown, same thing. 31 carries, 146 yards, 4.7 per carry. I mean, it's like, man. Volume. It's every, it's every game. With them, and, and of course, they turned Iowa over uh, a couple of times as well. Uh, and then uh, you go back to uh, their most recent game, and that was against Minnesota. Uh, they were up 13-7 to at halftime. Uh, Tanner Morgan goes down, gets injured. Uh, they brought in the uh, Calia Kamanas uh, from Minnesota. He struggled uh, a lot against Illinois' defense, and uh, they pulled away at the end of that one. They they uh, outscored them 13-6 to in the final quarter, and uh, he threw two picks. Three picks overall for Minnesota in that game. Again, getting the turnovers, and oh, what do you know? Chase Brown, 41 for 180, 4.4. 41. For 180, yeah. the, I mean, the dude, the, the, I mean, that is the key to their offense is giving that dude 30-plus carries and banking on him getting somewhere close to five yards a carry. So he's at 192 carries, right? Yeah, was that what we said? And there's five games left, so if he averages, like, close to 30 carries a game, he's going to have 340 carries in 12 games this year. Yeah. If they win the Big Ten West, that's a 13th game. Like, you could have a 400-carry running back. In that's college a, football, which I don't know when the last time. That's a great question. That'd be a great trivia question. The, I, the name that comes to mind for me, and and you might remember it because you were probably wearing a Stephen Berry's uh, Michigan State jacket during his career, but Javon Ringer. Javon Ringer. You remember that name? Yeah. At all? 
Uh, Troy Davis for Iowa State. I don't know. Maybe he was in that in within those numbers. He got a ton. Uh, Javon Ringer, 390 carries. Oh, he almost got up to 400. For 1,637 yards. Was that when Jeff Smoker was there? That would have been 2008, so let's see if Jeff Smoker was there. Let's let's name some old Michigan State players, shall we? Uh, No, No. but you know who was? uh, uh, Cousins? Cousins was a backup. Started a few games. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Yep. There was some NFL quarterbacks on the team, and they, yeah. kept, they kept handing it off anyway. They went nine and four. They were they finished the year ranked twenty fourth. Wow! All right. Well, we went just on a deep dive, but that is, I mean, but in all seriousness, Chase Brown, Chase Brown, Chase Brown, and some more Chase yep. Brown volume. I, mean, I, I don't know. I actually should look up the who leads and carries in the nation right now, just to give you an idea. I'm not sure there are any teams that that rely on somebody that much when you're talking thirty, forty carries every single game. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it just like think about the physical toll. So Trey Palmer has what forty, forty three catches, something like that. Yeah, yep. It was in that neighborhood. I loved a hundred and forty nine more forty seven. Forty seven. hundred and forty nine more touches or more carries than what you know, and like it just the the punishment that that takes on the body, like. Yeah. I mean, Chase Brown, for him to stay healthy all year is going to be remarkable. He is tied for the lead in the nation in carries yeah. with a guy from Ball State, uh, Carson Steele. Um, you know, Bijan Robinson is six. The difference is that Carson Steele has one more game played. He's got one more game played. And like Bijan Robinson, he's got 162 carries, 30 fewer, but he's got another game played. Yeah, the, the one guy from Marshall has 108 to his 192. Um, and Chase Brown also leads the nation in rush yards at this point. Um, thanks to all that volume. Yep. Even with one less game played than several of these players. That are I am going to be fascinated well. if they make the Big Ten Championship game if he has 400 carries. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it, I, I just can't think of another running back that's right. done that. Yeah. At, uh, at a Power 5 level, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's just... And I guess the other thing to talk about on their uh, offense is we kind of talked about how DeVito does it, and he's been he's not thrown interceptions, and that's been the, the biggest thing about him. And he's, you know, he's completing passes. You know, they're high-percentage passes, but he's completing them. The other thing is they get Isaiah Williams in, which I think they brought him in. He, he's a former quarterback, right? They brought him in a bit as a quarterback against Nebraska last year. His high I school recall. teammate is Marcus Washington. Oh, okay. They were St. both. Lewis? They both went to Cardinal Ritter Prep. They both came out to Nebraska several times for visits. Uh, Nebraska made offers to all of those guys. They they camped here. Uh, Keith Williams really wanted Isaiah Williams. Really highly regarded uh, at the time of his recruitment. And he ends up at Illinois, and he was he was expected to be the new Juice Williams. For yeah, them. and it just never worked out that way um, for for Lovey Smith. And so, and then they they sort of kept ending up with these. Similar style quarterbacks and Brandon Peters and Sikowski and now DeVito, all transfers, all basically the same kind of game manager style. And uh, it just never worked to work that against having, you know, this dynamic, right. but combustible player. Mm-hmm. So you talk about the number of rushing attempts for Chase Brown. He still needs 160 to get to 700 in his career, which would put him in the top 750 all time. He still needs 160 this season for his career that's, to get to the point where that's he's in the top 750 all time. Yeah, I'm sure you got some old, you know, four-year, five-year players that 
Um, that really got a, got a bunch of those. Well, uh, yeah, Ron Dane for Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. 1,220. Did, did Ron Dane ever have a 400 carry? Oh, that's a good That's a good one. Now, Brown's already, uh, he's already outcarried no, himself. he didn't. Really? 325, 263, 295, 337. Brown has already outcarried himself for last year. He only had 170 carries. Yeah. This is his year. first straight volume year. Yes, yeah. yes it is. Because he was in a timeshare for two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he had 104 in 2020. Um, by the way, he's been there forever, too. He had 71 carries, Mike, in 2018. Yeah. To Chase Brown. One of the oh, things about God. Illinois is they're an old team. They've got a bunch of COVID guys on both defense. <laughs> I love saying COVID guys. Well, I mean, it's this whole class of COVID guys of yeah. Tanner Morgan. And, Which, you know, I, uh, I was talking to someone that's still going to go throughout 2025. I think it's the last year that that's going to be affecting. Yes. Oh, because. Uh, yeah, because really? I was talking about how you could have had um, in twenty twenty five, you still could have had like Luke McCaffrey and Logan Smothers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I remember doing it with. I remember talking to my son when Luke McCaffrey was like his second year here, and I told him my son, who was like a sophomore in high school, then I was like, he could be here till your junior year in college. You could watch him. Well, if, if Smothers were to red shirt. with the red shirt with the yep. COVID with everything, which right now McCaffrey McCaffrey wouldn't be, but no, Smothers have been one short. Yeah. yeah, Smothers definitely could have gotten to twenty twenty five. Yeah, that was the one while watching that twenty twenty season, being like, Smothers can still be here in twenty twenty five. Um, and then, and then, just real quick on on some of the defensive stuff, the names to watch on defense for for Illinois, um, and and they've been they've been really solid as I was talking about on on defense. As Mike asked the question, I think which is a reasonable one is you know who have the how have they done against the best offense? But like you look at their sacks, they got. They got four guys who are basically yeah. right at four sacks. Nope, they get after so they the got everybody: two linebackers, two defensive linemen. Um, there are four guys, and then you throw in. So that's uh, Jerzon Newton, uh, Gabe Jockus, Keith Randolph Jr., and Seth Coleman all have, all are right at four sacks. And then Alec Bryant at one and a half. And then you got another like seven guys with with a single sack too. So it's it sounds like it looks like you can come from anywhere from uh, Illinois defense being disruptive. Yeah. Um, on this whole thing. Uh, interceptions. Kendall Smith has four picks on the year. Uh, Matthew Bailey with two picks. Uh, Jatavius Martin. So they've been, like like I said before, they've been big in terms of creating turnovers, and that's been huge for them, too. So, um, yeah, that, 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 that's, uh, that's what we got for Illinois. Do you know what the Nebraska record for rushing attempts in a season is? <laughs> you are really into the rushing attempt Dude, stats. I, I mean, the stats are really uh, oh, probably okay. It's probably back in the probably it's probably back in the 80s or something like that would it be like a rogier or somebody like that could someone have gotten to, are we doing total or one season it's it's rushing in a season in okay. a season a number of attempts in a season i don't know my guess my- the total is amir abdullah mm-hmm. because you need someone that played four years yes uh yeah. so i'm gonna go with 338 carries 286 wow for Lawrence Phillips. Oh, up in ninety okay. four. In ninety four. Okay, that uh, they were two eighty six is high for current college football, but it wasn't high for like two thousands. Yeah. You know, like that's crazy. Like you seriously have to wonder if a guy. What, they used to do it, I guess. So I don't know, but like I see Chase Brown's numbers. I'm like, can he really hold up for a whole season like that? Like, you you do wonder the amount the amount of the assumption is, and then he's not going to have much of an. NFL career. So I mean, teams running. don't want that. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, well, maybe they'll put them on a pitch count this game. All right, let's talk about the University of Illinois off the field. Illinois, do you guys know Illinois has four national championships? They're not far behind Nebraska in uh, national they're championships. All in the, they're all in the yeah, 10s and 20s, right? So this is crazy. They had a coach named Robert Zupke. This guy is probably, has got to be one of the most unsung best college football coaches in history. When you actually look at it. So this guy, Robert Zupke, he was Illinois' uh, coach, okay? He uh, got hired. He actually, he was there for 29 seasons. He was he was there from the 19-teens into the 1940s. He was there, you know, World War One to World War Two. It's crazy nice. that you had somebody that kind of longevity. Um, they, they, during his tenure, they would get at the beginning, they got about, uh, 4,500 people at a game up to 60,000. They had undefeated seasons and national championships in 1914, 1915, 1923, and 1927. Red Grange was on one of those. Red teams. Grange was one of those guys yeah. who, who was on that. You've team. never been to Champaign, right? I've never been to Champaign. So their stadium, like they have a cemetery behind it mm-hmm. and like it. The whole thing is about oh, Red yeah. Grange, they, and they do. They and have all. the uniforms. Like they, the they really play into that history of that era a yeah. lot. Yeah, because I think that stadium was built around that time too, and it mm-hmm. certainly feels like it if you're in there. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, that is a uh, boy. It's a, it's some ridiculous. Yeah, this Zupke guy, just un unbelievable. Twenty nine years. He, he was hired in nineteen thirteen. 1913 and fired in 1941. Yeah. Wait, they had to fi- they fired him? Uh actually I shouldn't say he fired him. He retired. Okay. But he had a 2 and 6 campaign in 1940. He had his better years of coaching had passed him. Yeah. yeah. Right? And and then they were all right in the 40s in the in and I actually through the mid 60s they were okay and then the bottom fell out of yeah. that program completely and they could not do anything for the most part through the mid 60s all the way 70 through the 70s they had Gary Moeller as their coach from 77 to 79 I don't know who that is. which oh he was Michigan's coach for a long time oh, okay. he coached in uh Michigan was John Makovic coached there yep. and then he went to Texas uh he, here's a crazy thing that i found about these guys um they won one Big 10 conference one once one year of winning the Big Ten Conference in the fifties once, sixties once, eighties once, nineties once, and the the aughts once. Five five titles in over six decades, one in each decade that they won it. So uh they skipped the eighties or they skipped the seventies and they skipped the twenty tens. And they haven't won one since two thousand one was the last time that they did that. Is that Ron Zook then? I think that was uh, no, no, it was Ron Turner. Ron Turner. Turner Zook when uh, Zook took over in in two thousand five. So uh, that's the interesting thing there about their history. And then you know they went through. Then um, you had Zook, and then you had Tim Beckman. Tim had, Beckman. Yeah, Tim Beckman from twenty twelve to twenty twenty four. You replaced him. Uh, that wasn't too good. Uh, you had Bill Cubit, and that was. He got fired in March of a year, yeah, if you recall deal. that. That was a that was a crazy thing. And then you had Lovey Smith. Who st- is, is it weird that Lovey Smith didn't work there? No. Is it? I mean, like nobody thinks he's a bad coach, right? He's a very good X's and O's coach. Everything that we talked about that Mickey Joseph is in terms of being a dynamic personality and communicator and all of that, Lovey Smith is not. Hmm. Yeah. Also did not like recruiting, did not care for recruiting, put 
more emphasis in just getting transfer portal players and hired a local coach in St. Louis to try to get as many players out of there as possible. It's he the strategy was bad. It's just hard to get to be, your. He wanted it to be like an NFL franchise yeah. where he didn't have to be on the road. Just yep. guys showed up and now, he could coach him. He didn't love recruiting. What he does or did very well, and what Brett Bielema has definitely utilized, evaluated pretty well on the defensive side. I mean, you, Nebraska fans will see it. They've seen it the last couple times. Illinois hits. They hit hard. They're long. They're athletic. They're obnoxiously annoying and passing win. Like they're, you could you can see where he left things to be successful. And Brett Bielema's offense has picked up that aspect, mm-hmm. while that defense is just rolling along with just really athletic guys. Keep in mind, Lovey Smith did take them to the 2019 Red Box Bowl. Yeah, people forget the Red Box Bowl. First, first, Do people uh, forget Red Box. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's still out there, but. In the era of Netflix, it's not quite yeah, as... It's got to be a tough life. It's not there. quite as useful. I I hit that pretty hard for like an 18-month period. Yeah. There was an 18-month... Like 2012? Yeah. Uh, the word Illini, what is it? Like, there was a long time where I thought Illini was actually... This is showing my own ignorance. But I thought Illini was actually a Native, uh, Native American tribe, which it's not, Okay. Illini, the, the student newspaper in 1874, here we are again with student newspapers or actual newspaper writers making up nicknames, but the student newspaper changed its name from the student to the Illini, okay? And basically, the issue of the renamed journal implied that the term was something that they had coined. In fact, it didn't exist. It was a word they, it was a word they made up that was just a variation on the word of Illinois, obviously. Yeah. So they called it... Um, and that kind of came, you know, secondhand accounts of university athletic teams as they started uh, calling that. 1907 was the first time gained greater frequency in the next decade, 14, 15, and 16 seasons when they were winning national championships. And uh, other terms that were, were out there were sometimes applied to the team, but it wasn't ever consistent. And so Illini kind of came out of that as the most used one, and the word fighting Illini was then used extensively as part of a fundraising campaign when they were trying to construct their stadium. And so um, in 1921 to 1930, it was adopted by general consensus and was unofficial nickname of the athletic teams, and then more articles, more programs, all of those things uh, happened. Now, when was the idea that fighting Illini had this connotation with Native Americans, which I had about them growing up because obviously you had the logo right you remember the you remember the logo that is no longer from the 90s and the the Ron Turner days where mm-hmm. you had Chief Alinawek who was on that thing with the big headdress um it was it was just that the fighting Illini nickname that time that it came about coincided with a lot of native american imagery at that point and so they kind of came together um and the the addition of the adjective fighting uh actually came about before the appearance of Chief Alinawek, which was as a tribute to the Illinois soldiers killed in World War One. And now what's interesting is you know, they've gotten rid of Chief Alinawek. You know, in the early two thousands, the NCAA banned all the Native American imagery with some exceptions, and they exempted the names Illini in fighting Illini from those, saying those are not based on any any Native American imageries. It's just a word Mm -hmm. that was made up but then got associated with Native American um, 
uh, imagery on this whole thing. So I thought that was that was interesting. Well, and they do across the state of Illinois, just because I lived there and I was near a place that yeah. had, had the Cahokia Mounds. So the Cahokia people uh, were part of the Mississippi River Basin and had trade that went all the way down into Mexico. And then you've got a number of tribes that trace their descendancy back to the Cahokia people, um, like the Peoria, like the Chickasaw. So th- there is there's a strong tradition of Native Americans in that area. It just obviously was not, there was not an Illini people. Yes, which I I think a lot of people are mistaken about that. Yeah. Like I I assumed for a long time that there was until I started uh, doing this. Uh, famous alumni from the University of uh, uh, of uh, Illinois, uh, Allison Krauss went there. Bluegrass singer from really? Illinois, really? Okay. Yeah, uh, the smile on your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when you say nothing at all. Yeah, when you say nothing at all. Uh, wedding song played that at our wedding, my wife and I's wedding. Uh, Tom Bodette, the guy who founded Motel Six. Um, <laughs> Leave the light on for you. <laughs> Jimmy John Leotard, the founder of Jimmy John's yeah. Champagne guy. Uh, George Will, uh, political uh, commentator, uh, and uh, Ludacris was born in Champaign, Illinois. Luda. Yeah. So if you were, local if you celebrity were, Kevin Suits if you also attended Kevin Illinois. Suits. Illinois, yeah. Got to be weird to attend a school and then cover the Big Ten from another school's perspective for a long period of your I'm career. I'm pretty sure you got married to a Nebraska volleyball player, so it all just kind of works So it together. starts to meld. It starts to... He uh, doesn't get a choice at this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Those old roots are gone. He was a Hypecast guest, and he wasn't sure like what if he needed to wear Nebraska stuff, Illinois stuff. He didn't know what to do. Big Nebranoi guy. <laughs> <laughs> that That's was right. How do we not even that mention? Was a thousand, I was waiting for Nebranoi it. kid. Yeah. I'm a. I apologize. We were for discussing doing that. how old that kid is. If he's like been forced to pick a college yet, if he's at the point where he's like still deciding if Nebraska shouldn't fly him in for this game, and then he goes to wherever the winner is. Like That's all of this was a discussion. I don't know. Our, uh, he actually our, went to Northwest. Our friends at 1620 The Zone last year. <laughs> 1620 The Zone tracked him down. They had did him they? on their show last year. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, they did. He was very old. It was very disturbing how old he had gotten. <laughs> I guess, well, that game was 2015, right? Yeah. Uh, well, was that the year that that was shown? Is that right? I don't know. But kids age fast. It's weird. Uh, feels like I should know that. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's do uh, Illinois fight song. Can we do that? Now, for a dramatic reading of the Husker Opponents Fight Song with Jack Mitchell. This song, the selection today, is called Illinois Loyalty. We're loyal to you, Illinois. We're orange and blue, Illinois. We expect you to stand for the best in the land, for we know that you can, Illinois. Hurrah! Hurrah! So crack out that ball, Illinois. We're we're backing you all, Illinois. Our team is our fame protector. (laughs) On, boys, for we expect a victory from you, Illinois. Che-hey? Che-ha! Che-ha-ha-ha! Go, Illinois, go! Che-hey, che-ha! Che ha ha ha! Go, Illinois, go! Illinois, Illinois! Illinois, fling out that dear old flag of orange and blue. Lead on your sons and daughters fighting for you. Like men of old on giants, placing reliance, shouting defiance, Oski wow wow! <laughs> Amid the broad green plains that nourish our lands, for honest labor and for learning we stand. 
And unto thee we pledge our heart and hand, dear alma mater, Illinois. And see. Did they really roll some of the best rhymes in a row into Oski Wow Wow? Oski Wow Wow! What does crack out that ball mean? <laughs> yeah, you were you were done from the beginning. Our team is our fame protector? I don't know. What does on giants placing reliance mean? It, it, it's a great rhyme. Shouting giants, defiance. Defiance. I like the shouting defiance. That's fun. There's some rappers who... This that has got to be one of the most unique lyrical we've seen a lot. I'm gonna give it to Illinois for their lyrics on that song. It is weird, but sort of good. Luda, you'd be good. I'd like to hear Luda do it. <laughs> All right, say 49. I was gonna do a Luda impersonation, but I couldn't do it. All right, we'll take a break. It's probably for the better. We could probably uh, play Mickey Orr next week. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It'll probably still be unless it's already decided at that point. <laughs> Could be. All right, eight forty nine. We'll take a break. We're gonna make some picks coming up next on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, Option. got warmer weather to enjoy. Some of the last chances for fun in a pumpkin patch. For the Channel Eight Storm Alert Team, I'm meteorologist Jessica Blum. Bragging rights mean everything to these guys. So let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank on 1499.3 KLIN. I believe it was LL Cool J who said, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Are you going to do a dramatic reading of... Uh... I think I'll just leave that stand, but I think that's also true of me and the Pick'em game. Yeah. I've been doing it for years. People like to count me out and then... You have a week like last week, and everything changes. Caleb, could you please update the standings? Uh, so I'm now in first. I picked up two points last week. I Don't got Oklahoma the lead. State and TCU. Mike is in second. He got one point for Ooh. Oklahoma State. So I'm at 31. Mike's at 30. Jack gets a little bit closer, but still in last place because he got six points for Oklahoma State, TCU, Oregon, Duke outright, and the closest score. My first outright upset of the year, too. We've had, yeah. We have had very few outright upsets this year. Uh, I don't think so. I have, I have quite a few Mike's of them. had several. I've had two or three. Yeah, I remember it my way. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's do some picks. We've had several zero or one point weeks. You should know who I've I had, had two zero point weeks, go. I believe, which <laughs> makes it even I had one as well. Which makes it even more amazing, amazing that I'm in striking distance here. But we still go in order of standings with the picks, and that means Caleb goes first, Mike goes second, I go third. This week, ACC battle going to what used to be called the Carrier Dome. Notre Dame, they've had a weird slash bad year. Syracuse kept it close against Clemson. They had a shot to stay unbeaten. Caleb, who you got? The Domers or the actual Domers? Really weird. Rusty would love that question. Uh, I'm going to go with the Irish. And I don't know why. Just Dame. Just Dame. All right. You're going to take Notre Dame? I had typed out Notre Dame, and then I deleted it and sent to Kenny, and these are the actual picks I go with, so I'm going Syracuse. I think Syracuse wins. I think Notre Dame might be just legitimately not that good this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, very Feels much that not that good. Syracuse has been good. That, that uh, what they used to call the Carrier Dome's crazy place to play. All right. Okie State at Kansas State. Adrian Martinez off the field at the beginning of the last week. Mysteriously, I don't know what his status is. Who you got? Well, we'll see what the status is for a couple different Wildcats as I go Oklahoma State. Mm. No chance to make up ground, but I'm taking Oklahoma State as well. That'll make it three with the Cowboys. So bet Kansas State if you were listening. Yes. Staying yes. in the Big 12, Ames, Iowa, Matt Campbell, Ben Close, but no cigar. Over and over again this year, 
Could there be a hot seat already happening in Norman, Oklahoma? The Sooners go into Ames. We got everything about this game says to take Iowa State, which is why I'm taking Oklahoma. Yeah, everything about this game says to take Iowa State, which is why I'm taking Iowa State. I'm with Mike on this one. Congrats, Caleb. Give me the clones. (laughs) Last one. Lane train rolls into College Station. Woo-woo. Maybe only one coach leaves with a job. I don't know. We will see. But somebody's going to have to find a lot of money if that's actually the case. Ole Miss, Texas a and you got? Choo-choo, boys. That's Ole Miss. Okay. I'm going with a and All right. I got to stay on the lane train. I'm contractually <laughs> obligated to stay on the lane train until yeah, he is point, named not yeah. coach of Nebraska. All right. You're upset this week. Who you got? I am going with the greatest college football program in the nation. The University of Connecticut getting seven and a half. I considered this. I really did. <laughs> seven and a half against uh, it's someone in the Boston Northeast. College. Yes. <laughs> against someone in the Northeast. That's amazing. <laughs> I, uh, I doubt they win this outright, but I still feel like the line is a little high, and we've seen this game be weird the last decade. Give me Michigan State at plus 22 and a half. Hmm. Ooh. So we're going for the one there. Definitely yeah. just going for the one. There. Well, we're to the point where pick up points where you can get them. Hey, coming off a of bye week, beat beat Wisconsin their last time out. That's Why not? not? I'm going for the they, two. They beat Michigan the last three times in a row. I'm going for two points here. Things get weird in West Virginia every once in a while. It feels like TCU just has had things go right too much this year. It's time for a weird, bad performance by TCU. Give me the Mountaineers plus seven and a half. So no one took Nebraska. No. We'll see what happens with the actual game predictions, which we're at now. We got, Caleb? I'm going with Illinois, 34-28. Mike? Illinois, 23, Nebraska, 17. They're going to give us hope, aren't they? They're going to give us hope. It just isn't going to go any other way, but I got the Illini, 23-20. I hope I'm wrong. That is it for the Friday Husker Tailgate. Clean sweep. Games at 2.30 tomorrow, 10.30 pregame, right here on KLIN. Mike, thank you very much for coming into the studio once again. We will see you next week for Minnesota Week. Caleb, Kenny, we'll see you guys on Monday when we are back at it. All right, that is it right now. 46 degrees in the capital city on our way 